There is a place where fears and fantasies get weighed on substance alone. Legends and lores are examined in fresh light. Conspiracy theory meets conspiracy fact. Abandon your defenses. Embrace the possibilities. Step beyond the threshold into other realms. And then there was one point where I heard uh, a growl. Some UFOs when we were there. I want to know the truth. You're listening to Threshold Radio. I'm Anthony K. With me is Sam Ronto and John Stevenson. On today's show, we have Farlin Huff. A soundbite with uh, Farlin Huff, actually. Uh, a long, lost soundbite that I just recently discovered. Uh, an older interview, not too old, though. A couple weeks old. And I'm going to play that for you right after the commercial break. We also have Carl Jones from Prairie Land Paranormal in Springfield, Illinois. He'll be joining us. And Michael Clean, and much more. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Threshold Radio. TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Kopp Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit UFO-info. You're listening to Threshold Radio. I'm Anthony Kay. With me is Sam Ronto and John Stevenson. And right now we have Farlin Huff on the line. It appears your uh, squatch hunting has been impeded by this un- unusual weather. Oh, definitely, definitely. And uh, but, but still, you can try to figure out how to use that to your advantage if, if you want to look at it that way. I mean, uh, it is a drought, so if you find a good source of, of fresh water you've got a good chance that something's going to come up to that area. So we, we did have a, a pond that is usually spring-fed. I believe the spring had even gone dry for the summer, but there was still plenty of good drinkable water in this pond, and it was good clear water, not muddy water. And so we just kind of uh, set ourselves up with a makeshift camp. We only stayed in our camp at night. It was just too hot to be there during the day at all. We would just come back in the evenings. And and uh, we did hear a couple of wood knocks and, and a couple of vocalizations. That's the thing that happened happened to my oldest son. And, and it was just great. If you got time for that story. Go right ahead. Okay. Well, he came up to see me, and um, he's an Iraqi war veteran, decorated hero, actually. And so he has seen a lot of... A lot of action, and he's not afraid of anything too much, but he is afraid of Bigfoot. <laughs> and he decided to bring his little uh, four-wheeler up with him, and he got a little antsy about 10 p.m. one night, and so he put it off on this thing in first gear. And I noticed he got down into this bottom, and I'm, I'm just watching. All I can see is his headlight. There's no moon out yet at all. 
and I noticed that he was he was shining his headlight on some deer, kind of aggravating them. And I thought, man, you need to stop before you get one of these deer injured. And so then he put put it on over to another part, and I thought, man, he's going to be down there a while. So I went back into the cabin where we were staying in the daytime, and lo and behold, just a few minutes later, he comes running in the door in the cabin, and he's like, Dad, it nearly caught me. I said, no, it didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did it. It nearly, it nearly got me. I said, no, no, son. If they had wanted to get you, it would have gotten you. Bigfoot. <laughs> and uh, I said, what happened? And he had just gotten up to this pond dam, and he was just about to start across the dam, and there at the edge of the dam and beside the pond is a a, a bunch of woods and we've heard Bigfoot in there before we've actually seen their eyes shine in there and I think it's a, a it's a point where a sentry if you want to call it a sentry can can sit there and keep an eye on the whole entire operation there so anyhow he's just about to start across the dam and he hears these heavy footfalls and this this heavy breathing running right up to him it's just boom 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 and it's just right up on him. He knows that it's just right there. And the only thing that he can see is where his headlight is shining, and this is behind him. And the hair on its legs probably touching his back fender. <laughs> so he just gives it all the gas that he can, and he, without wrecking, barely made it back to the cabin, and I think he jumped off the thing before it came to a complete stop. And that was the story. That would scare the crap out of you. I think, I think it did exactly what it wanted to do. You shouldn't have been messing with those deer like you were. Yeah, I guess in, in Washington State, you cannot um, mess with Sasquatch. I guess that's a, you get a fine for tormenting with Sasquatch. Did you know that? I know that there's some counties that have have laws on the books, and that's great, and they've been there for some time now. You know, here we have uh, these these animals. There's by no doubt these things exist, and there's probably a multiplicity of of types of animals uh, that would fall into these categories. But they may be um, there may be more variations than than what we originally have thought, wouldn't you say? Yeah, there may well be, and uh, I don't know if you've been following anything on the internet, so at this point, it's all just rumors, but I know that there is a DNA project going on, and I'm not associated with any group, I'm not a, a spokesperson for anyone, So, I'm, and there's not been an official statement made from the people that are doing the research, so as far as I'm concerned, it's all internet rumors, but as the rumors go, apparently... Um, they have sequenced both the mitochondrial and nuclear DNA. So they and, got mama uh, and oh, papa. Yes, and uh, it's from several hair samples that were submitted by field researchers and field researching groups. And so these hairs have been identified as unknown primate hair. I mean, it, they don't match anything. They're not human hairs. They're not any other animal hairs. They are unknown primate hairs. And several of the hairs still had the follicle attached so from that follicle they were able to get the dna well, and they conclude they get any conclusions on what it is yet well that's the thing there's not been an official statement so i keep stressing that they are due to make a press release but they're going to make it when it's the proper time to do so i think what they're doing is uh this research group is going to present to the media a peer-reviewed paper 
they're thereby you know all of the questions all the accusations have already been addressed when when people start trying to tear this research apart at least they've already got the peer review paper so other other scientists have checked off on the way the work was done there's some and rumor that, that the doctor herself and i believe it's a herself that is uh the lead um doctor on this case is that is that not true uh, it's a Dr. Melba Ketchum, and uh, that's who has the laboratory down in Texas. And, uh, and supposedly she is the one that's, there's, that's holding this back. I don't know. You know, you hear well, different yeah, I think things. She's, she's waiting for everything to be in place like it needs to be because you just can't make a, an announcement like this and, and expect it to be taken seriously enough without having a peer-reviewed paper. Correct. And uh, the Internet rumors are, and this is from people that I guess were associated with the project at one time but then left for one reason or another, if that's the case. Like I said, it's all rumor. Um, the leak is that the mitochondrial DNA is human from one female. And it's from a female that existed in Europe back 10 to 15,000 years ago. It's hmm. interesting. And they're not, they're, there's no leak at, on what the father's DNA is. So we're all waiting to see what that is, but apparently all of this is true. <laughs> John says probably Italian with all that hair. <laughs> <Who knows? laughs> I don't know, Jose Escamilla, <laughs> you said that some of his relatives look like Sasquatch. <laughs> no. We all have those. We all have those, <laughs> yes. Those are the scary well, ones love, you see at I the beach. I love beats. telling people every non-African person alive today has 1% to 4% Neanderthal DNA in their own DNA. And really? people just Some people have a lot just, more. Yes, and and uh, that's because the people that, that stayed in Africa never mated with any Neanderthals the people that left Africa and went up to uh, the Europe uh, areas and the uh, Asian areas where the Neanderthals were, or Middle Eastern areas, they they made it with the Neanderthals, and I think it must have been to the point that the Neanderthal population was totally absorbed into the human population. There may have been a time where all the uh, people that existed in those areas may have been half Neanderthal and half human, but the humans kept coming. And kept coming, and every and they just kept absorbing until now. All we have is one to four percent Neanderthal DNA in our makeup. But the Neanderthals are not our ancestors; they're our cousins, and we just totally absorbed them, much like the uh, Native American population has been absorbed in the United States. Yeah, all these Cro-Magnums show up at your front doorsteps. What are you supposed to do? You can only kill so many, and it gets to be a, a task after a while, a while you know. And, I guess uh, so. That's how it is, I think, with a lot of these, you know, after wars, people get left over. It's like, eh, what the heck, why kill them? He's got some muscles, or why kill her? She looks good, you know. Heck, you know, the, well, my son needs a, a, a wife or whatever. Well, right. Plus, there's always the, the cave, the cave drawings that they've interpreted. That uh, you know, once you have meander, you never meander. Something like that. I don't know. 
Once you Oh, I love it. Oh, that's a beauty. Is that, is that actually one they wrote, wrote, saw in the cave? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's like, gosh. I, I think they found one that said Kilroy is here, too. <laughs> Do you remember those from the 70s? Oh, yeah. Kilroy was here. That was on everything. Well, Kilroy was from the Second World War. Yeah. It was a, a very popular thing. Started by the GIs, they they would put them all over in bathrooms, and <laughs> I don't know who Kilroy who started Kilroy, but it got around the world pretty darn quick. Wherever a GI was, so was Kilroy. <laughs> and uh, do you remember that? Those drawings. I've heard about it. Yeah, they were all over the damn place. But you're younger than me, so everybody's younger than me. Jeez. <laughs> The and not um, everybody. Well, not everybody. I mean, you had a grand, not you had a grandfather, me. right? Yeah, I believe I did. I yes. think he was Once older. Part of time. <laughs> yes. The um, now, as far as some of the, um, you have a website too, don't you? Oh yeah, I uh, I just share some of the photographs and, and things that I've encountered out in the field, and uh, my website is bigfootphoto.net. I think we have it on and, the website um, already I'm also too. Looking forward to going to this. Um, the Oklahoma Sasquatch Conference and this so happens Dr. Melba Ketchum is on the lineup of speakers there's also going to be uh, Scott Nelson he's a, a retired crypto-linguist from the Navy and he has been studying uh, recordings of Sasquatch and he's determined that this is definitely a spoken language cool. he wasn't expecting that he, he was just kind of studying it with the fun of it because his son asked him to and that he was amazed with what he heard and what he noticed. And uh, it's going to be a great little conference, and that's taking place uh, September 30th and October 1st. Well, I hope you would time. be our uh, our official ear, and maybe we could have some recorded interviews cool. um, with some of these folks, uh, if you don't mind handling that for us, being our guy in the field in that neck of the woods. Sam, you realize if that's an actual spoken... I will effect? try to do that, and uh, I'm sure there... Sometime in the future, there'll be some uh, video show up on YouTube. If Far someone always Farland, if that's an that. actual spoken language, I mean, there's a chance that we can actually learn to speak it, or someone couldn't possibly even communicate. Then, right? Exactly, and, and uh, he's he's also showing that when he puts these recordings into his computer program, and he slows it down. That's what the program does. It slows it down, breaks it apart. They're actually speaking some English too. Okay. Really? That only well, makes that's sense to me. I mean, they've been studying us forever. They probably are experts on human behavior. They just watch us all the time. So I'm sure they watch people in their yards at these rural locations telling each other, bye, see you later, how they call their dogs up, all these things. I'm sure they've picked up on a lot of that. It only makes sense that you'd want to know what these people are saying because you're trying so hard to avoid them. That'd be cool. So they probably know get a beer and things like that then, <laughs> since they listen to yeah. us at our picnics. <laughs> well, they even mimic oh, yeah. the uh, the tone, voice, and in and, and such a, a way that they're able to um, basically um, mimic perfectly, darn near perfectly, many animals. And uh, from what some people say, that they've even they even mimic the uh, people. In other words. Uh, Shelly was saying that she was hearing her mother call her, and it wasn't her mother calling her, and I'm certain it was them. Um, oh, there's other reports of that. It's not in monster movies. Yeah. 
when your mom calls you, you stay in where I, I was hunting with his son one day, and uh, and then the father Come came there. back later alone and was hunting, and he was hearing his son, his son's voice calling his name. Terminator. So Terminator. A lot of people would argue that's paranoia and schizophrenia, but uh, that's not what we're talking about. No, it's something that's able to mimic, you know, exactly or, or very closely. Right. Um, and they're smart. These things are smart. Another thing yeah, I was going to ask you is, and this is something we touched upon briefly yesterday, is is there potentially something with an involvement of extraterrestrial or interdimensional? And this is something that you've read about, you've heard about, uh, I I know in some instances these footsteps of theirs may go so far then all of a sudden just disappear. I, right. I've heard of instances like that, or they seem to crawl into something. Uh, There's a lot of reports off. like that, and so many researchers are are just afraid to even touch on that. But if you've got so many reports coming in like that, why why is it being ignored? Exactly. But, um, I think it's most taboo. Researchers are having, oh, yeah. Well, researchers are having such a hard time being taken seriously anyway that they'll just kind of just stay away from those areas. And I, um, hopefully, when this DNA release is made, it, uh, it's just going to change everything. It's, it doesn't prove that there's a Sasquatch unless there's a body, unless they have a body to match the DNA to. But it does prove there's something out there. It's it's more than just an unknown primate here. It's day. So well, the, the on that note, have to be taken seriously. Oh, it does. I, I think it delivers what science demands. I, you know, biology may be the only science or one of the few sciences that demand a body, uh, per se. Now, in this instance, the the acquiring of a body, unless it died, you know, by its own means, own, you know, either committed suicide or just crawled by. Yeah. yeah, you know, what I mean. I, I don't know if they have a high suicide rate or things that close. But to you human. murder them, and if it's yeah that close to being human, it that may very well be a, um, some time in jail if it you know well, at right. the very I'm, least. I'm, yeah, this, uh, all the internet rumors are pointing to them being in the genus Homo. So, well, that, that'll do case. it. You know, and and uh, regardless what one may think, you know. Um, we're out killing a lot of people that look different from us, but uh, but I think they'll be a little more, let's say, compassionate to a Sasquatch uh, once somebody decides right. to put a bullet in one. And this is my concern, too, on these current cases that we're working on, is to let anybody have an idea where these locations are. Um, you get some wacko that wants to go out and grab the body and, uh, you know, sell it, post it, whatever they do, Put just to freezer. get money. Put it in a freezer <laughs> and then swap it out with a um, a suit or something. And that may may very well have been the case, is what you were alluding to when it came to that episode in 2008. Do you think uh, there's any chance of that being legitimate? Oh, well, no one seems to be giving it any, any credit. Once it was proven to be a hoax, but I know that those, at least one of those gentlemen is claiming that they actually had the body and that it was taken from them, that uh, they actually had a hard time getting the body out of the woods. They did have it in a freezer, 
and they're claiming that they were uh, approached by some type of government officials who took the body away from them, and uh, I, I'm not sure if they were advised to make it into a hoax or if they just decided to do it on their own because of some threats they received. And uh, so I don't know. that. I, it, you know, you just don't want to be gullible past any certain point. Uh, you want to have an open mind, but not so open that your brain falls out. It's what they say. <laughs> so um, we'll just have to wait and see on that. I know that they're, they may be trying to create some hype for a book, and there might be a lot of truth to it. I'll just wait and see. Well, I talked to the gentleman who was actually put up the $50,000, as you know, when I was on his radio show, and I may be talking to him in a few minutes, actually, we'll see, um, or his uh, partner. But, um, you know, here, here it was uh, proclaimed to be a hoax. Uh, the gentleman, Tom Scardi, was taken for $50,000, and um, says without a doubt these people hoaxed them and uh, I don't know <laughs> sure is that's I. one of the things that's part of the argument that they're saying they're saying well okay if we did do that where's the lawsuit because they're claiming they haven't been sued for any money so where's the lawsuit and not you know they make an interesting point that's true I'm just going to be cautious and, and just wait and see right both sides have an interesting um, case uh, and when it usually comes to that, it's better to walk away from it and say, well, something happened, could have been just theater, who knows. Um, but I hate to think poorly of people, but evidently well, people who insist on being thought of that way Michael do Schirmer. exist. You know, so. <laughs> yep. Yeah, only except one person. Well, but um, I don't think we're going to be disappointed with this DNA press release. I think that it's it's just going to be fascinating, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a hard pill for so many people to swallow. I'm sure that it'll be a long time before they actually get to the end of trying to tear the research apart, try to tear the DNA apart. I'm sure they'll first start yelling, "Well, it's obviously contaminated," but it's going to be DNA, and it is what it is. And I don't know how long it'll take for all the squabbling to stop, but it's it's just to me, it's going to be the discovery of the century. True. Now, um, do you think there is going to be an announcement at this meeting or at this convention? I don't know if there will be an announcement before or if they're going to wait and do it at the at the conference. Okay, that was one of our secret long-lost interviews that have never been heard before with Farlin Huff. We'll be right back. You're listening to Threshold Radio. TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Kopp Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit ufo info. Dot com.
Welcome back to Thresholds into Other Realms. Uh, with us now is Shelly, and she's going to tell us about some interesting accounts that are happening in her neck of the woods. Shelly, how are you today? Good. How are you? Pretty good. So what happened? Uh, last time we spoke, there were some things scratching the windows, jumping on top of the roof, and uh, this time I guess you were able to actually see what they looked like. So give us a detail of some of the things that were going on well, since we, we spoke last. Well, it was um, going on for nights, many nights in a row, and I had my son come down and he would stay awake at night, and he's just trying to see what's doing it. Well, he come and woke me up about 2.30 in the morning, and he said, they're here. <laughs> well, he said, um, I need you to get up because I'm afraid they'll get in the house while I'm out there trying to chase them around and get a glimpse of what is doing this. So I did so. I got up, and his girlfriend and I were standing on the front porch, and she screams almost bloody murder. She was just scared to death. And I said, what did you see? What's wrong? She goes, looking through the car window, I just seen something that looks like Cousin It. <laughs> it was hairy. And I said, well, you know, try and describe it. She says, it was just rocking back and forth and had all this hair. So I went out further by the car and I checked and I didn't see anything because they move extremely fast, which I found out in a few minutes. Well, I leaned against the fender of my car and I continued talking to her and I'm looking north. Now, there's more than one of these objects out there. They are working together, I should say. And they will make commotion in one area, so you look that way, and in another area, something happens, or somebody throws a, something throws a stone at you, I should say. Sounds like a Sasquatch. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, um, I was leaning against the fender. I have a four-wheel drive, big, heavy car. And I'm just talking with her, and wondering where my son is out there running around because I'm thinking, well, if these things are hairy, that's not a human. <laughs> so now I'm getting a little worried. I'm leaning up against the car, and I'm looking to the north. The neighbor's driveway has got two houses between us. So it's maybe 250 feet away. So I've got good vision of it. It was a full moon that night. Well, not full, but bright enough you could really see. Well, maybe it was a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking to the north. And these neighbors have got three white cars, and they line them up about seven feet apart. And all of a sudden, I see something hunched over, about six foot tall, and it runs between the cars, hiding behind the back of the cars. And I went, oh, my God, I just seen that. And I said, you're right, it's hairy. It's really hairy, you know, and I'm really getting all worked up about this. And then from behind me, maybe to take my attention off what I was pointing out, Something growled, and it shoved my Durango and shoved me completely forward, and you could hear the wheels and tires of my Durango just skid across the ground, and I went flying forward. Well, of course, I screamed and ran for the door. <laughs> I don't know who in their mind wouldn't have, but whatever they are for sure, they are very, very strong. Now, when it moved the car... How much, give, them an, give us an idea how much it actually moved, or were you able to assess that? Yeah, the next morning I went out there, and you could look where the tire had skidded, and there was about three to four inches where it had shoved it, about the length of uh, most people's pointer finger. Now. Which I couldn't do that. Yeah. 
something else happened that night that was really peculiar too, wasn't it? Well, that whole night was very peculiar. I mean, they were just, they were on the roof. They were knocking at the windows, at the doors. They were scratching. Um, Yeah, they just really wanted somebody out there to play with them. I mean, what do you really, what's your honest opinion that you think they are? Are they from here or do you think they are something from not from this world? Well, you know, I've talked to a Bigfoot investigator, and he seems to convince that that's what it is. And we're not set on that. Um, I'm setting some traps and things like that, so maybe we can get a footprint to, <laughs> Bigfoot to traps. figure it out. Yeah, it sounds like a Bigfoot to me, too. That's, I mean, as you're talking about it, it sounds more like a, like a Bigfoot. That's what I said last case. week when yeah. she was saying little pebbles are being thrown. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That, that whole evening when we were out there, they were throwing pebbles at you and... Um, it just—it seems like a game. Like they want to play with you almost. Yep. Now, um, your son and and your cousin were out there. What was it? It did. And they heard really it. Startling. Heard one of them running. Well, they were not convinced. Me and at this point, me and Kayla were the only ones to visualize these hairy things. And we had not talked to them yet, but they told us just go in the house because it's just so active out here, and you guys are screaming, and that's not helping. So we came in the house and we locked the door. We just waited for them to give a signal knock to us before we would open the door. Well, we got some panicked signal knocks at the back door and we rushed and opened the door and they both jumped in. They go, okay, it's not human. It's not, It's no kids. It's nothing like that jumping around out there. You girls cannot go outside at night. <laughs> there. Now the guys are scared. And I said, what happened? Well, they said they were standing on the back porch in the dark because there's an overhang there, and they were just kind of hiding in the shadows, and they heard it running between the houses, and then they heard its feet, like, leave the ground, and they heard it hit the tree. The tree is 30 feet from there. So they looked around, and they said that they literally seen something jump and fly through the air, and they said that it looked to be about six foot tall. Now, if we're talking Sasquatch, I hear that it could be they're young, like they're training or something. Yeah, these could be basically <laughs> juveniles. And they would be curious and they would be uh, troublesome and just getting a rise out of you. And Yeah, uh, because everything gets messed with outside. Mm-hmm. If you leave anything out there, it gets moved. And there's really no purpose in it. Right. Like um, my daughter's bike was on the back porch. They pick it up, turn it around, face it the other direction. Um, the grill. Somebody will turn the gas all the way up so the gas runs out every time we fill the gas. Do you know anybody that's a hunter that might have a game camera? No, I really don't. You, you know what those are? You just hook them to right. a tree or something and they go off by motion. Well, we're right. thinking about doing some things. As you know, we, I spoke to Farland and I haven't told the other guys about some of the stuff we're planning to do. He doesn't tell us nothing. No. But... Um, I'll tell them after we get done with the sh- with the uh, interview. Um, an- now, something else has been going on recently, is what you said, because we haven't spoken a-, a day or two, have we? Yeah, um, all that that we just talked about, that happened last Friday night. Um, things have been quiet up until Thursday night. And Thursday night, um, they were back, and they seemed to be fascinated with the back door. I don't know why, but they constantly were at our back door, shaking the door handle, uh, messing with the screen, leaning in on the screen to the point that the screen is all stretched out now. Um, We would just be quiet and try to ignore them so that they go away because going out there and the boys going out there trying to see what they could see and stuff, uh, 
seems to just become this huge game for them. And really, you become the hunted, you know. So we just try to ignore it. And as it turns out, we had to get, you know, my little girl up in the middle of the night to take her potty. So a bedroom light will come on or whatever. So then they're at that window. And now they've got her woke up. And now I've got her in my room with the light on. And now they're at my room. And <laughs> it's, it's the constant game out there. But they seem them. to like they your just... back door screen, though, you said, huh? Oh, Yeah. You know what you could do something real easy is take a piece of duct tape, uh, about a 10-inch piece, and then stick it to itself, you know, so it's like double-sided. Stick, uh-huh. it, stick it to your screen, and if that thing leans against your screen, you're going to get hair on it. Yeah. It's something real easy to do. I on all the screens because they do um, rake their hands along the screens. I thought about kind of booby-trapping it at the bottom of the screens and maybe like arm hair would stick to it or something. Right. Well, that's, I mean that duct tape would do that and that's a very inexpensive way to try to do something like that. So yeah, I get their, their DNA or something about them. Right. Well, they started doing that again last night, you say, or the night before, Thursday? They, they started it on Thursday night and they were here again last night, too. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as long as they're not harming you, they're they're just playing games. Yeah, that's what it seems to be. And after talking with the Bigfoot um, research man, I, I I kind of believe that maybe it. I'm not set on it. No, well, um, no, but there, you know, it could be anything. It could be aliens we don't even know about. I don't know, but there's so much UFO sightings in this area. I can't close all possibilities as to what it is until I myself have concrete proof of well, that's it. That's true. It might not even be a Bigfoot. It could be some sort of hairy alien, too. <laughs> I, I, I just don't know. I know there's some really freaky things going on around here, and I can't wait to move. <laughs> um, I am going to try um, putting out hanging from the trees, actually, to where no animal could really reach it. But if it's a Bigfoot, I'm sure it could reach it. Um, some various different things, like um, popcorn, he said apples, carrots, things like that that they like. And see if I get a bite. See if something takes it. Yeah. Maybe so they'll stop messing with you, too. Who knows? Then, yeah. they'll, then, they'll, then they'll expect handouts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and if, I, if I don't leave the handouts, they're going to stick their arm through the window. <laughs> they'll smash your they car. They want a steak. Dang it, I don't, I don't want popcorn. I want a steak. No, you don't, no, you don't want to give them the taste of meat. You no, like no. Though I think they do eat... Uh, meat and they smell pretty rancid uh, and that was the other characteristic that yeah. you brought up we do, we do smell some at times it, oh, I describe it as a pig farm it stinks oh yeah, oh, yeah I know that smell no. yeah it's it's very rank they they have an odor about them yeah. it definitely sounds like a, a Bigfoot a Bigfoot yeah. youth is what yeah. Yeah, an I hear a, a little so. foot <laughs> a mini foot. <laughs> yeah. And the growls. I mean, the growls are so intense. There's no kind of animal that I've ever heard on Earth that does that. I mean, the the sound and the baritone of it would it remind me of being at the zoo and hearing a lion go off. It's a real I mean, guttural it's, it's one. It's a big sound. I'd say it's a guttural uh, growl, you know, a kind of deep voice, something like that, right? Yeah, it's not something that a dog or a canine... I used to have a Great Dane, so I know what a big dog could sound like when it growls. And that's pretty yeah. loud. But this, no. It's very intense. Have you only heard the growl one time? Twice. So you, there you go. Get a digital tape recorder, too. Yeah, the other night when it shoved the Durango and scooted it and, yeah. and shoved me forward, it growled at the same time it did that. Like, it was 
really trying to get our attention that's away really from not, the one we were seeing. That's not Bigfoot-like. Yeah. Generally, they shy yeah. away from people. They're scared. Mm-hmm. No, the, the adolescents will jerk with you. They like to get uh, they like to get a rise out of you. Well, it's like kids, like anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's really candy. what I see out of it. Mm-hmm. Is they they seem like teenagers would be playing hide and seek. You know, yeah. that's the kind of game they seem to like out there is hide and seek with the humans. If we bang on the walls enough, we'll come outside and play with us, and then we can have fun. Teenage <laughs> you know, that's foots. the kind of impression I'm getting from this whole thing. Now, your cousin has he he had mentioned that he was missing. How many cats did he have? Oh, um, in the last two years, they've they've literally lost twenty cats, and they have not found parts to the cats. Um, they they get a cat, they maybe have it two or three nights, and the cat will disappear on them. And the cats are fed, uh, treated. Well, there's no reason for the cats to leave. That's supposedly a Bigfoot delicacy. Yeah, they put them on crackers <laughs> with cheese whiz. They they like. Uh... Well, I've been told that by a few cat. people that they seem to love cats. Yes. I won't even tell him that a Bigfoot has been eating his beloved cats. <laughs> yeah, because he'd probably go crazy about that. But I, uh, do I, I watch I yourself. I don't even think I would tell my neighbors we Bigfoot's running around our neighborhood. No, no I wouldn't tell them. Now, the other thing <laughs> no. is let's try to pay attention to anything, any type of evidence. If they're by the window, let's see if we collect evidence from the window. The other thing you had mentioned is that was it your... Uh, Fiance mentioned that there was a handprint. Yeah, um, because the boys have been out so so many times at night. He thought maybe they didn't. And I questioned them, and they said no. He had a handprint that was so high up on his van that the person would have to be well over six foot tall to do it. And he said it wasn't just a handprint; it was a whole arm. He says it looked sweaty and hairy, and the hand. Now my fiance's got huge hands. He's a very large man, and he said that that handprint. It was bigger than his, mm-hmm. and very the much longer fingered. And of course, I learned about it after he washed his window because he didn't like the way it looked when the sun was shining on it. <laughs> but had we known, and he had told me soon enough, I would definitely had a picture of that. Well, just keep us uh, informed on this, and I will be talking to you tomorrow. Yes, thank you very much, Shelley. We'll be right back. You're listening to Thresholds into Other Realms. TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Kopp Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit UFO-info. You're listening to Thresholds into Other Realms. I'm Anthony Kay. With me is Sam Moranto and John Stevenson. Right now we have Carl Jones from Prairie Land Paranormal, Springfield, Illinois, on the phone with us right now. How you doing, Carl? Good. Thanks for having me on. You're uh, you're the same like me. You're a paranormal or researcher is what I prefer to call myself. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I've been doing this for about 18 years, and uh, just have a blast. I mean, it's just a passion of mine. Um, it it's it started when I was a kid, had an experience when I was a teenager, and it's just left a lot of questions, unanswered questions in my 
in my mind, and I just started out wanting to try to find answers to this stuff. And instead, you're finding more questions. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> it's continual. But that's what keeps it interesting. You know, that's that's what keeps this drive going. You know, we're trying to trying to figure out answers to these unusual things, and uh, and and that that's kind of why I started this uh, discussion group down here and. We, Your group's we, where? You're at uh, Lincoln Land College, or is that where it was? Yeah, Lincoln Land Community College. It's where I work. Um, i actually been working there for 30 years, believe it or not. My uh, time flies, huh? <laughs> well over half my life, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I've been working there and then uh, and uh, started the group up. I actually teach a class on the paranormal. I have a, uh, it's a community learning class, and uh, I have two levels basically level one's like a uh, 101 it's like introduction to all things paranormal and we talk about ghosts and we talk about the unexplained and we talk about bigfoot and ufos and all different kinds of things like that well that's and good to cover the whole gamut because some people are so narrow-minded they'll only talk about ghosts that's it yeah 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 we we talk mostly about ghosts but in the last portion we have uh we have a Bigfoot uh, speaker that comes in, and we also have UFO speakers that come in. And uh, I like having guest speakers. Uh, Mike Clean's come a couple of times. Uh, Stan Courtney, the Bigfoot researcher in this area. Yeah, we've area. had both of them on. Michael's a regular on our show, but we've had Stan on, I think, three or four times, too. Yeah, it's it's great, and the, the students really seem to be to love it, and I love it. And of course, I can sit and listen to that stuff all the time. What kind of turnout do you get? Oh, we, we get pretty good turnout. We uh, in in our class would it ranges anywhere from about ten usually to I've had up to thirty two people in a class at any given time. And how often do you have these? Well, the classes that my classes that I teach actually are run. I have an, another class I just got finished with a level one, and uh, we've got another level one coming up in April. And then we have a level two coming up in May, which is in the level two, I actually take them out to a haunted location and they get to do an investigation, which is, that's a lot of fun. What a cool idea. I've had people ask me numerous times if I, if I teach classes or if I teach people how to do it, but I've actually never known how to go about that, but I've been asked that too. You might, you might check and see if there's a community college in your area and uh, throw it out there. You know, they're always... They are is looking for for uh, community learning, especially the ones that reach out to the communities. Right. It's it's, it's been pretty positive for me. So and you're how long have you been doing paranormal then? Since you were a teenager, you said. Yeah. Well, for about 18 years, um, I first started out just going to some places with some friends and checking out. You know, kind of going to some um, places that were reported to be haunted and. And I went to Springfield High School, which is also reported to be haunted. Um, mm. That place is kind of creepy at, at, in the evening. <laughs> but then I, I, yeah, my, my, well, I had an experience when I was a teenager in Springfield. My parents liked to collect antiques. And uh, one day my dad brought home this old antique trunk. Um, it kind of looked like a treasure chest. Uh-huh. And uh, there was something that was attached to that. And uh, all kinds of crazy things started happening in our house. Um, lights coming off and on. 
appliances coming off and on. Those are the uh, good ones because they're kind of hard to deny. <laughs> oh, crazy stuff. Um, and uh, TV would come on by itself. Radios would come on full blast. We had one of those handheld blow dryers in our bathroom that was constantly turning on by itself. And we'd get to where we'd go in and unplug it. And then uh, we'd go, 10 minutes later, it'd come popping on. It had gotten plugged back in somehow. So. Okay, now, now that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was pretty odd. And then we started hearing very loud footsteps coming up the stairs. Um, we kept this thing in our basement. And that was kind of, my mom finally said, she, she was the smart one. She put two and two together and said, none of this stuff started happening until we, you brought that trunk home. And uh, she said, I think something may be attached to that. Um, I'm not sleeping another night in the house if you've got that thing in here. So we wound up putting it outside for a couple nights, and uh, nothing happened. Because we'd lived in the house for several years and nothing, you know. And all nothing. of a sudden, this stuff just all... How, what was the timetable? How long did you have it in there before you realized... Uh... Oh, it was probably, I'm saying maybe three or four weeks. Hmm. And just progressively throughout the day, she was home. I was at, at school during the day. My dad worked, and she was at home with this thing all the time. And she had a lot more experiences than any of us. Oh, I'm sure. But the footsteps my dad actually heard, he was actually in the shower, and he felt the vibration of somebody coming up the steps in the shower. And he comes storming out of the shower, and he says, what the heck, you know, what... Who is that stomping up the steps? My mom says, I don't know. Nobody opened the door and came in. So he throws the door open, and there's nobody there. And he goes downstairs and looks, and there's nobody there. And uh, so, I mean, it, it was it was odd things. Yeah, that's a and, pretty good thing to have happen in your own home. That, there's no <laughs> denying that one. No, no. And, and so... We didn't want it to, it, it was uh, summertime, we didn't want it to get rained on, so we wound up taking it to my grandmother's garage and put it in her garage. And detached her, garage, I hope. It was a detached garage. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we didn't find out till later. Um, we kind of told her that something strange was with this thing. We didn't tell her till later, you know, all the stuff that happened to us. But she also told us that she heard noises out in the garage um, and the lights, lights would turn on out there by themselves. Huh. And finally, uh, we got rid of it. Some, we, my dad found some people that wanted this. We kind of told them that, that, you know, that may be haunted. There's something yeah, strange that, going on. That brought on. the value up. Well, these people came and got it. It was a younger couple, and they had some small children. And they came in a pickup truck and hauled this thing out. And apparently they put it in there downstairs also. Uh-huh couple nights after they had it uh it was a it was a, a friends of a guy that my dad works with and he came down he said you know that couple that bought that trunk my dad says yeah he goes well they had uh, shut the lights off in their house the other night and packed the kids in the car and they were backing out of the driveway and the lights came on in their house whoa and then about two nights later he comes back he says you know, he says, uh, the other night they all went to bed and uh, turned out the lights and they heard footsteps coming up their stairs. And that's the last thing we heard on that thing. Well, you should have kept that somewhere, put it in a storage unit or something. <laughs> I'm sure John Zaffis would love to have that. You could rent that thing out. 
by this time he may have it in his uh, his wide collection of haunted objects. I don't know. But well, some. I mean, what's your view on that? I mean, why 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 do you think something like that happens? You know, it's the person that used to own it, or the item itself, or what's your theory on that? Well, you know, John, I wondered that for years, and I have no idea why spirits would attach themselves to particular objects. But I'll tell you what I ran into recently. Uh, not too long ago, we were investigating the Elijah Isles home in Springfield. It's mm-hmm. actually the, it's the oldest home in Springfield. And uh, up the top of the steps at the Elijah Isles home, there was a little small room. And inside that room was several of these trunks that looked just like it kind of gave me the creeps right away because I saw this. Oh, uh, a oh. few of them, my God. <laughs> yeah, there was like there was like four of them and they were in there in this little room and kind of creeped me out because I, you know, they looked exactly like the kind of trunk that, that, that we had. And uh, so I went downstairs and I asked the woman there why why they had she had all these trunks in this in this room. And she said, well, I'll tell you, she said, those trunks came from the convent and they belonged to nuns. And this is where the nuns were allowed to keep all their worldly possessions. This is the only thing that they could have to keep everything they owned. Because when they become a nun, they basically give up everything for God. Right. So the only thing they were allowed to keep were kept inside of these trunks. And they had maybe clothes in there, maybe photos in there, books, anything they wanted of, of earthly possessions, they kept in there. So it made me think, you know, hey, maybe that's where this came from. Maybe there was a strong connection. You know, if that's where you, all your earthly possessions were at one time, maybe that's, that's why you'd want to stay with it. Or being with me being from the Chicago area, first thing I think of is somebody was killed and shoved in the trunk. Exactly. <laughs> 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 we that that thought has crossed my mind too, but I would hope that that uh, whatever spirit was stuffed in that trunk, it'd be ashamed if he was following that around wherever it went instead of you know going to some place that he felt more comfortable. But. Yeah, how, how about that? What do you think? I'm I'm not sure. Like the Velisca X murderer house, where the children and everyone are still there. Well, you That's know, Why in heaven's name are they there? I you know I really don't know unless they just don't know that they're dead. But I would think, since it was, you know, that took place in what, ni- the early 1900s? Yeah, so 1912 or something like that. Yeah, I would hope that by that time they would kind of figure out that <laughs> something was not well, I always heard that real tragic death sometimes, the people just stay there because they just can't accept that they're gone, too. But, you know, there's, there's no right or wrong answer when it comes to this kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it is amazing. You know... I'm not much of one, and I, I tell my class this too, that I'm not much of a cemetery investigator. Uh-huh. Um, because I, I just kind of, it's just for personal reasons, I just kind of think of it as being kind of sacred ground, so I don't right. get in there and mess around. Plus, you can get arrested if you go. Yeah, quite a few of them, yes. <laughs> but... Uh, I, I always said I don't I don't understand why you why spirits would want to hang out in a cemetery because I would think you know if if when I die I'm not going to hang out in a cemetery if I decide to become a ghost I'm going to go hang out in some place where I was most happy 
Well, that's what I tell people, too, when they ask what best place to find a ghost. I go, there aren't any, really. You can, you can find them in the movie theater. You can find them in the mall. You can find them at the car dealership, wherever they just want to be. There's, right. You know, they don't have to be, but everyone thinks it's graveyard. But then, uh, you know, my, I'm, my claim to fame is Bachelor's Grove Graveyard, which then again, that's an exception to the rule because that's just an incredibly haunted graveyard. It, it it makes you wonder, you know, could it be that that ground was haunted before they put the cemetery there? Like, well, the Bachelor's Grove, they believe, is because of the desecration. It was, I think it started in the 50s where... Uh, Every tombstone was just ripped apart, broken, and stolen. There's only about a dozen there out of 200 original stones. Yeah, that's a shame. Uh, that's that, I hate to see that, you know, because it gives ghost hunters a bad name quite often. When, when oftentimes it's just teenagers going out there and goofing off. But... Tell you something like that, though, it, because people always ask, can ghosts hurt you and stuff? Well, there are cases where you have, but it's so rare because Bachelor's Grove is a perfect example. Now, if the kids are going to go in there at night and break your tombstone, if you have the ability to actually interact with them or hit them, that place would be full of dead teenagers. <laughs> yes. Well, you know what I mean. So, I mean, it shows yeah. they can't, you know, they can very rarely reach out, actually. Right. Right. It's, it's, it is pretty rare to hear that. I mean, you do hear of it. Um, people getting scratched and people getting shoved and stuff like that, but it is it is a pretty rare event. I had that happen at uh, what was it uh, Waverly Hills in Kentucky. I actually got physically hit twice, and uh, my friend that was with me, his camera, his camera and tripod got lifted out of his hand and cracked him in the forehead. Oh my! <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there's some physical contact there. Wow! Yeah, that 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 is wild. Was that was that up on the third? Was it the third floor that's really haunted? Or? Uh, I haven't had the pleasure of going to uh, Waverly Hills. The way you want to, well, actually, get a hold of me. We'll do it. What it is is it's a thousand bucks to privately rent at a night. Don't go with the group. Actually, do it. And if we get four, six people together or something, you know, we can split that and actually have the entire building ourselves. That's the way to go. That's how I did it. I had ten people and we rented the entire building. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know, because you don't want to go with the group where you're following a tour. I mean, it's nothing more than Disneyland at night, basically, that way. That place is so huge uh, that probably ten people you wouldn't even see, you know, well, y'all kind of... There do. you go. Now, now, we, we almost think that there's some interdimensional thing there, because now that you mention it, we were there for eight hours, and we were in little groups walking around, and we uh -huh. did not run across anyone else for the entire time it's like where are people at <laughs> kind of eerie too I would oh imagine. very eerie because you know I, i'm a monster uh, movie freak too not just paranormal and i know when people pair off you're doomed there's just no doubt about it yeah yeah, yeah. and it's never a good idea to investigate by yourself you know i always say at least go in groups of two well um, if not so not even for the safety factor but for a uh a backup, someone to actually verify what you see, too. That's an important reason. Absolutely, yes. Because you can have the coolest thing in the world happen to you, and if nobody's around you and you don't have your camera ready or nothing, it's not nothing. But if you got somebody with you and they see it, well, that's a completely different story. That is true. That is true. And and you know, it's it's odd with the with the. Uh, with the paranormal, you know, one one thing about the paranormal is there really isn't a constant with it. Correct. You know, it, it, it's like it, it it could be so elusive, 
and and trickster like at times. I mean, you could you could set up a camera, a wide angle camera, to pretty much cover the entire room that you're in, except for maybe two foot. And it seems like all the paranormal activity will take place in that two foot that you don't have the camera well, in. I you know, I believe that they could they know what you're doing and they like to screw with you. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that is the case sometimes. I actually had well, I, actually at Waverly Hills again. I had one of my uh, high-end Bosch cameras. Those are the ones that see in total darkness with no IR admitters. You know, so there's no nothing to reflect off an IR to give a false image. And uh, we had some. I don't even know how to describe it. Came right through the wall. It started flying around and went back through, and then shot back through a solid wall. Oh, it's most. Yeah, about the size of. Uh, I don't know. Like it started out small, like a, like a, almost like the size of a cigarette, and it ended up being about the size of uh, like a large bird, like a falcon or something. I mean, it was just the strangest thing. But it shot through the wall. It looked like a cigarette. That's wild. Yeah, that's only that's the best thing I ever got in video, and that was in a total dark room with no IR admitters, and that's the way you want to go because IR admitters can play with you too. You can have a mosquito fly in front of that and it looks like a monster. <laughs> Yes, yes, you can. So, what what would be your uh, most memorable thing that you've gone on? Oh boy, um, so so many things. Uh, we some of the most interesting uh, things. There's a couple. There was a um, one of them. I was uh, at a house and uh, actually saw. Uh, these people, uh, two people that were on the investigation, two two uh, women, they come running out of this back room of this place, and they're going, run, it doesn't want us in here, run. And I was watching one of them go down the hallway, and I actually saw them get shoved. I mean, I seen her body Just swing forward, huh? From the, yes. And I'm like, Wow. I'm just kind of standing in this other room, and they come running into it. And I saw her get shoved two times, and it was from her back. And she stopped, and she goes, something just shoved me. And she lifted up the back of her shirt, and there was a handprint on on her back. It, It was a red handprint where it had hit her so hard that it left an impression. That's cool. That's the kind of stuff I like with physical. Did you guys get a camera? Or did you have a camera by any chance to be we, able to get a picture? We, we we didn't have any video cameras set up in there. We as, as a matter of fact, we had just kind of started investigating. And the, one of the women uh, that was there, she was a sensitive, um, you know, had some psychic uh, ability, and she's the one who said, who was saying, you know, let's get out of here. It don't want us in here. Let's just go. And they were coming up the hallway, and that's when it happened. And it was pretty amazing. Pretty, we took a picture of it, and and it was a, just a handprint right in the middle of her, uh, kind of the, her upper back. And there was no way she could have put her own hand up there and done it herself. Well, if you saw it happen too, I mean, if you saw her fling forward, yes, or, you know. yes, I did, yeah. And uh, you know, that was kind of that was kind of frightening. You know, they're they're sometimes not always that frightening, but but that that was kind of an odd one. Um, I was at a house in Sherman, Illinois. It's um, kind of just north of Springfield. And uh, we were doing an investigation at this house that had a lot of activity. And I was sitting upstairs in the living room, um, just kind of uh, 
we had our EVP, uh, our recorders running, and uh, I just happened to glance over. It was one of those uh, houses that you walk into a little foyer. It was like a tri-level house, and you can either go upstairs or you could go downstairs. Right. And I kind of looked down in that foyer area, and I saw a head going down the stairs. That was just a head. No, no body, huh? No body. It was just like just a head, and it 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 was like it was it was at the level that a head would be, you know, if right. a person standing there, and it just kind of slowly descended down the stairs. And that's like kind of one of those, you do those double take, you know, you're like, what, did I just see that? Yeah, and you doubt yourself, I, that's how it is, too. Yeah, of course, I go running over there, and, and by the time I get there, there's nothing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those are those are two memorable things that, uh, that I could think of right offhand. That house was strange, because we had a, we even uh, wound up going back there to do an investigation with a live uh, radio uh, program that's here in Springfield. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were there live, and we were doing these things with. Uh, we were u- at the time we were using uh, dowsing rods, right? And uh, I was showing them how they worked, and we had these things going. I mean, these things in this house would go absolutely haywire. They would. We had them spinning like a helicopter. I, I, I'm going to ask you something about that when you're done. Remind me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, one was going one way, and one was going the opposite direction. And they were just spinning like crazy. And they were doing it to me. They were doing it to the people I handed them to. And, uh, but one of the most interesting things that I, I, and to this day, still the strangest thing I've had happen with dowsing rods, is it felt like they just stopped all of a sudden. And they were pointing forward. And it felt like somebody um, had taken their fingers and put them on the tips of the dowsing rods and pushed them down and then let go of them. Okay. It, was a, it was a flicking, like they were flicking them. And that happened like three times. And very odd. And it happened to uh, one of the radio announcers, and the boy, it totally freaked him out. Well, that's always good when you get the press interactive. Yeah, it's it always good. <laughs> It, it was great at the at the Chicago Ghost Conference this year. Uh, I, the booth next to me, I, I actually don't recall their name, but they had dowsing rods, and we were just, you know, it gets you kind of get bored after sitting there all day. And my aunt grabbed the dowsing rods and asked them what they do, and she holds them, and they moved a little bit, and I pick them up, and they start spinning like helicopters. <laughs> and I mean, I'm talking where I thought they were going to take off, and the look, the expression on their face, I'm like, what's that mean when it does that? They're like. We've never seen it do that before. <laughs> oh wow! Then I set them down and I just pick one up in one hand and hold it out, and it, it starts spinning so fast it almost took off of my hand. I was going to ask you, you uh, you've seen that before, then? Do you have any yes. theory on what in heaven's name that is? I have no idea because this is about the only place that I've ever had that happen. I mean, I've I've gotten I can usually use dowsing rods fine. Now I I do know that some people can use them and some people can't. Yeah, like that's our, the first uh, I've ever actually used the things, and like I said, they just friend, took our off. Our friend Roberta, uh, Roberta Van Hus, she right. she's one that cannot use them because she can make them move. Actually, I can hold them out, and she could she could say, "Okay, now move," and she can like just point at them, and they'll move. Hmm. So I mean, but she also has some. Uh, she has a little bit of psychic uh, psychic abilities, but she says I can't use them because I can I can actually make them move. 
I didn't but, know what it was. I was actually having fun with it. I mean, people yeah. kept walking up. I'm like, watch. I just pick them up and zoom. <laughs> they were just taken off. Well, you, you may very well be, may very well be one of those people that you know just can't use them because maybe there's something. You know, scientists still don't know why these things work. Well, I know yeah. them from plumbing, actually. I mean, from ages ago, I'm a friend of mine, his dad was a plumber, and his dad's dad was a plumber, and uh, dowsing rods were used for finding water. Yes. And that's what I knew him for. That's actually what I was saying before I touched them. I was kind of making fun of these. Like, oh, you use these for water. You know, I pick them up and they start flying. I'm like, wow, there must be water all over this building. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, they say that you can actually use them for anything that you're trying to find. Some people uh, say that you can find lost keys hmm. or, you know, if you drop something in your yard, you can. And a lot of people say, they, you know, they really do work. And it's all about intent. It's right. like they work off of the body's, uh, I don't know what you say, call it, vibrations or whatever. You know, it's like almost like it, it's, it uses your body's vibrations to give a signal somehow. And it's very odd. I don't know. The only time I've had seen them spinning like that was at a very, that, that house where a lot of activity was. Mm-hmm. Um, I've ha- I haven't had them do that really since then, but, uh. Nor have I ever run into that flicking, um, the flicking of the ends of them like that before. But uh, it's, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what makes those things work. Now, I always stick them inside of a, um, like a sleeve of some sort. Like even if right. it's a, if a straw or anything where there's not actual, so they can flow freely, uh, you know, back and forth. So I'm not actually touching the handles. You know, so they can just move on their own. Yeah, the ones I was using had like little sleeves on them, and there was people actually watching me and making sure, because you know, you can move your hands a tiny bit and make them start to move. But I mean, yes. my my hands were not moving at all, and these things were flying. I mean, to the point where they were going so fast you couldn't actually see them. <laughs> That's great. So I say, if I, I had a couple of those or some little wings on them, I could have my own personal gyrocopter. <laughs> Maybe if you put some little, uh, attach some little fan blades on there, you can have your own fan in the summertime. There you go. <laughs> I thought it was funny, but I think it's because I was making fun of them, though. But I'm actually one of those people that's kind of a, how would you put it, like a paranormal magnet. I can go anywhere and something happens. It's just, I, I have that knack. <laughs> Sounds like my cousin, Laura. They call her the ghost magnet. Yeah, so, there you go. So, so that, that's kind of like, yeah, maybe you're one of those kind of people that just attract different kinds of energies to you. Well, you I know? went to the, the Congress Hotel in Chicago, which is known to be haunted, and uh, got a picture there, came back and looked at it, and there's a shadow person, you and I were discussing this off-air the other day, that looks like Alfred Hitchcock's profile on the old Alfred Hitchcock show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the guy with me, Adam uh, Seltzer, he was my guy, but yet he didn't really believe in everything, and he was determined it wasn't. Well, they spent like three months on this photo trying to debunk it they had uh troy taylor out here and all kinds of people trying to figure out you know to recreate it and after like about a three-month period uh adam gets back with me and he goes it pains me to have to tell you that uh congratulations that's an amazing picture (laughs) oh wow i mean they were they were trying hard to debunk that thing huh yeah well that's what i do i try to debunk everything in my own stuff unlike a lot of people you see I'm not even going to say names anywhere, but, I mean, you know, they take a picture and there's an orb in there and they post it on Facebook and everyone goes nuts. And then they got their crazy friends that comment, oh, my God, that's a perfect orb. 
<laughs> and there's faces there's faces in it. I always tell people that if it has the differential ring around the outer edge, that's scientific. I mean, you can look that up. That's a sign of uh, an environmental orb. I don't care if Mickey Mouse is in it waving at you. If it's got that <laughs> outer ring, it's not real. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've seen, uh, I have actually seen paranormal orbs, and and they don't look anything like what you take a picture of usually. And they're self-illuminating. They're, yes, they're self-illuminating, and they'll oftentimes, sometimes you'll actually see reflections onto other things. like Correct. Wall or, Almost and, like a flashlight light that's not actually there. It's just... Yes, not, and they and right. They move. They move purposefully. It's like they're they're they'll go around the corner of a door. Correct. You know, and and they're not just floating about, you know, up and down and and uh, it, you know, yeah, I've I've only seen them on maybe two or three occasions, but they're they're actually kind of rare. I think there uh, are real ones. I tell people that I go. I'm an anti-orb. I go. I ninety-nine percent can be explained, but I go. There is a one percent that you can't. Yes. yes. I actually, and, believe it or not, uh, Velisca, our friend Larry's favorite place, I was leaving there and took a bunch of pictures, and on the upstairs door where they say the children were trying to hide or something, whatever, that door that opens by itself, Yeah. I, I've got two orbs on there that are self-illuminating, casting a shadow on the door. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, whoa, that's... Because I put it on my site and everybody... And it started giving me a hard time the next day. Oh, mister, I don't believe in orb. I was posting an orb picture. I'm like, but you have to look at that. Look at the difference here. There's no differential rings. This is actually illuminating its own light, and it's casting a shadow. And they're usually solid. You know, they're like a right. solid, uh, solid, bright white. Or, uh, you know, I've seen some interesting orbs that were different colors. Correct. At Bachelor's Groves, actually, I've never seen it, but it's known to have blue orbs. Hmm. But I've you never know, seen one myself. Yeah, I, I have seen, and, and as well, I'm sure that you have seen this too, Ed. If you go to a very haunted location, you, I, you oftentimes see these flashes of light. And they're usually in your peripheral um, peripheral vision. It, it, and I've seen this on more than one occasion at at places that seem to have a lot of activity. And... and Different colors. Sometimes you see red, sometimes blue, sometimes white. And they just seem like they're just right in the corner of your eyes. But if you turn to look, you can't always see them. And, right. Uh, well, sometimes some of that is like a neuron firing in your in uh, your head. I mean, we do get weird effects, too. So some of that stuff I have to take with a grain of salt. But right. I, mean, I, I know exactly what you mean, too, though. Yeah, and I don't know what causes it. It just seems that's something I have experienced on on a couple different occasions. That uh, just especially and and usually it's outdoors that I that I see right. in these, um, like in um, in in woods. If there's a woods around it or something like that, I, I yeah, woods are notorious for like phantom lights, things that just appear. I mean, you definitely see them, and then there's nothing there. You don't have any idea where they came from. Yeah. Um, there's a there, there's a lot of woods down here uh, where we're at, uh, and uh, of course there's a uh, just outside. Well, I, I live in Auburn, Illinois, and just I mean the next town north of us is Chatham. Right. And, uh, Chatham is got quite a bit going on with the uh, there's supposedly a Bigfoot there. Uh, our friend Stan Courtney's been doing a lot of investigation. 
um, at that area because there's been some reports that uh, leads paranormal in... activity there too because they seem to go hand in hand for some reason. You know, you know what there there is. I mean, there of course any town has paranormal activity in it, or right. it about every any and every town, but. Uh, there has been some UFO sightings uh, out in that area. I actually saw one um, not very far at all. It was actually in Glenarm, um, just off of I-55. I was heading into work, and uh, it was about 10 after 7 in the morning, and I look off to my left, and I see this great big round. Um, it was kind of a, between a whitish and a silverish color, perfectly round, just come floating up out of a tree line there and i watched this and i'm 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 like first thing i'm thinking is what in the hell was that you know i'm i'm about i don't have my camera. <laughs> well that's what i was going to say being a paranormal researcher i'm sure you had your camera handy right <laughs> well you know that no, because you know here I, I just got gas and i'm on my way to work and i'm half asleep you know it's the 10 after 7 uh, right and i look off and i'm like well is that a bag floating in the air you know or is you know your mind rules out all these things right away and uh, is it is it a flock of ducks taking off you know you just you're you're thinking you know what what is this that i'm seeing and then you finally it hits you well that's not anything i'm used to seeing before and this thing just kind of went up and it kind of just moved off to the left a little bit and it made this weird little kind of a jerking motion and then it started heading west. And I looked away for just a second because I was on a curve. I looked away to look at the road for just a second, looked back, and it was gone. No, that's, yeah. They just moved quick. Or sometimes I think they just change, the dematerialize or else go in another dimension or something, too. Very strange. But, but actually, the, um, that is not far from one of the areas. It was actually very close. There's a power line that runs right straight through there, and about half a mile from that location is a, a cemetery that sits just outside of Chatham where there has been some reports that this Bigfoot might be hanging out there. Um, and there has also been some UFO activity reported around this area, too. So I don't know. You know, I, I'm one who believes that this Bigfoot and UFO and paranormal stuff, it's all... There's a link somewhere. It goes hand in hand because there's some cases and more and more where hmm. they're all, they, they generally start off with UFO activity and then there seems to be some sort of paranormal indoor Bigfoot and it goes from there. But it, it seems to be a reoccurring thing for some reason. Yeah, and I don't know what that is. You know, and that's uh, of course that's what keeps us going. You know, this kind of uh, anything unknown. Of course, I'm fascinated with. And, well, you were actually involved in UFOs too. You're a part of a. Are you part of the MUFON branch out there, or you just have your independent? Um, yeah, we have we have a group called the Central Illinois UFO Group, and uh, we're also on. Uh, you can look us up on Facebook, and uh, the Prairie Land Paranormal Consortium is the name of our paranormal discussion group. There you go. I was going to let you say that because I was going to butcher <laughs> it. <laughs> Prairie Land Paranormal Consortium or Consortium, some people say. You can say. Okay. It. And uh, look us up on Facebook and, and like us, and uh, we, we post updates on there, and we have monthly meetings in the Springfield area for both of these groups. And uh, it, we just sit around and talk. We are 
a part, uh, you know, we're kind of a part of a branch of MUFON in this downstate area. Um, but, but you know, we we just sit and talk and, and uh, show videos and uh, discuss UFOs and sightings that have been coming up all over the world and and particularly in Illinois. Um, so, but you have a nice setup there, and in the college you're at's great. I was up there. I made it up there one time, but you're just such a drive for me. I can't make it very often. Yeah, we need you to get you down in this area so you can come down and do some investigating with us. Like I say, I, I need somebody to open up a room for me because I'm not driving down I there think, and then coming I back. Could, I think we could work that out for a night or two. So something I wanted to cover with you, Carl, well, I already know how you feel about it, but just for our listeners, paranormal activity, does it care about day or night? Absolutely not. Correct. <laughs> that's that's the Absolutely. biggest misconception. Oh, absolutely not. And and these ghost hunters, uh, you know, I love you all, but you don't have to turn out the lights to do no. an investigation. That's only for your own senses. It's, added, <laughs> it, it's, it's adding the, the scare factor in your own mind. It, ghost yeah. doesn't care. But I'm, you, you know, you've seen me before, John. I'm a big guy, and I don't like stumbling around in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Because if I fall, I'm going to break something probably. So yeah, I generally always don't do like Waverly Hills is the only place I was in the dark, and uh, that definitely added to the creep factor. But that wasn't by choice. There was no lights in there. No power. Yeah. But no, no, absolutely not. Um, it could happen any time of the day, and often does. Um, we just we just uh, had a case where most of the activity was in the afternoon. That's some of my best stuff has all been daylight. Beautiful, yeah. clear days. You know, not you know, not on the creepy thunderstorm night at, at twelve o'clock or <laughs> like people have a misconception. That's Hollywood doing that. That's what that is though. Yes, yes. It adds to you know, darkness adds to you know, it's mystery, you know. It it adds a mystery to everything because you can't see. And everybody's afraid of what they can't see, you know. Yeah, well, that's just natural, too. I mean, even I do paranormal research, and things don't scare me. Well, I'm not saying they don't, but you know what I mean. Not like not like unmentioned TV shows where they hear a noise and they run around screaming like little girls to get out of the building. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but you know, one of my favorites, uh, when it, well, just to laugh, to, 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 to find humor in, and I don't even think it's on anymore. Was it that uh, most, was it most haunted or... It was the British. They, they were in Britain. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that the one that was in trouble because they found out they were faking most everything? Yeah. Then they would, uh, and it was a, usually a bunch of these British women and a few guys, and they always had a psychic with them. But I, saw, I always found that so humorous because they would, they, first they would ask something to do. They'd be in a haunted place, and they'd ask them, hey, could, if that's you, could you make a noise? And it'd make a noise. <laughs> and, well, if, it, if it's... I'm not sure. Could you do that again for us? And they do it again. And then, uh, well, can you do it one more time? You know, they kept asking them to do the same thing. And it over. doesn't happen on cue. I got news for no. you. <laughs> no. And and then a lot of times, you know, they'd see something or they'd something would fall by them, and they'd go running and screaming and running out of the place. And uh, yeah, it's it it was funny. I, I don't even think they play it here anymore. But it. it, uh, it some was of these. Fun. How about? Uh, you think you should like uh, insult and scream and yell and swear to ghosts to get their attention? Oh my goodness! I you... <laughs> <laughs> again, I'm not mentioning any shows. <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely not. I mean, uh, uh, 
you know, these things were people once. That's and, why I say they're ex-humans is what I call them. They deserve respect. Yeah, and if you, if you wouldn't just walk in some place where it possibly was their place they, they lived. Right. You don't go in there and taunt and yell and tease and cuss and try to stir something up. You wouldn't do that if they were alive. Why would you do that to something that can't die? Of course, and sometimes you might get something you don't want if you do that, too. Oh, yes, yes. And then, and then uh, oh, yeah, that's... that's These TV never, shows don't show you that side of it. <laughs> never wise. No, never never wise. I mean, these things can be wherever they want to be, and they may just decide to follow you home and torment you. you know, yes, it, as our friend Larry can tell you about. He's had that oh, problem with Velisca. Yes, yes, and we already know that some of the things there probably aren't too nice. You know. guy got a creepy feeling, but I didn't have anything negative happen. But, I mean, the creep factor was off the scale at that place. Did you do an overnight there? Yeah. It yeah. was It was one of those ones where I'm sure you've had that, too, where you walk in the door and instantly it hits you. I mean, just the yeah. second, just like a, an unseen force. Oh, my, yes. Yes, I, I'm, you know, I've been doing this long enough, and I, and I tell people, and, and, uh, you know, sometimes I even doubt myself when I say this, but but it, it it happens time after time. I can almost walk into a place now and tell immediately if there's something there. It's like just this odd feeling, and with for me, it's on my back and it's like at the back of my neck. I get this tingling feeling. It's just that scary feeling, like when you're yeah, a kid, but they're real. <laughs> yes, it's it's a familiarity. And, you know, they say that the more you do this, the more you become attuned to it. Correct. And, and I think, you know, that it does happen. The more haunted places you go into, you just get this feeling. You can almost tell right well, away. What know, I that, think it is is they can tell because, you know, myself and you're probably the same way. We, we tend to be a little bit more receptive. We know what we're looking for and we see things. You walk in a location like this. And they know you can tell, so that's why we can feel it. At least that's my theory. Yeah, could be. Could be. <clears throat> well, when I went to uh, Waverly Hills, I brought Ken Berg with me. I don't know if you know Ken. He's a very well-known psychic. Uh, he works at the Chicago Police Department finding people that are yes. deceased. I brought Ken with me, and he wanted to go into Waverly by himself before we went in just to see what was in there. He was in for like a te about 10 minutes and then came out. Looked kind of freaked out. We're like, so what's the verdict? He goes, this place is haunted. <laughs> he goes, I walked in and they were calling me as soon as I walked in. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, whoa, let's get in there. I was like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> yeah. They were calling his name? Oh, at, at one point, uh, and we were I probably like 2 or 3 in the morning, we were locked in there. Kind of like that one stupid TV show, but this is real. <laughs> and I can actually hear Ken yelling. And I go down the hallway and find where the entrance door is where we go out. He's pounding on the door. And I'm like, what is wrong? It's like, I got to get out of here. And he, he was having a panic attack. And Oh, my. And my reaction, well, you know me, my reaction is humor. You know, I'm, you know I don't know what to do, so I, you know, I'm trying to make jokes. And he calmed down a bit, and we got out there, and he just says he was overwhelmed. There were so many around him calling his name. He just had a panic attack and had to get out of the building. Wow. And, and then someone like me, you know, he's like, they're all over me, and I'm looking around like, oh, crap. <laughs> I don't see him. <laughs> <laughs> 
sometimes it, it sometimes it pays not being psychic. I I, I would suppose, especially. I think that was one of them, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's. Yeah, that's that's probably a location that it would be best to uh, to not hear that. You know, be neat to hear it maybe when you're playing back your EVPs in a safe location. Yeah, but not actually in your head. In I think <laughs> actually I don't. I think Ken hears. It. I don't think he sees it. I'm thinking about that. I'm pretty sure he does just hear it. and He doesn't actually visually see it. I think. I don't. So, even, I'm pretty sure because man, my gosh, seeing it would even be worse. Oh my! Yeah. It'd be like an old zombie movie. <laughs> I mean, my guys. <laughs> Night of the Living Dead, yeah. But what else yeah. we got to cover here? What other theories out there that people always have misconceptions on? Uh, oh, we were discussing uh, shadow people are always evil and white things are always good because of the white and black. Oh, yes. Which and is a misconception. It's it's really kind of an ingrained, uh, you know, that bl- black is, is bad, the, da- the darker something is, the darker of a... Of a energy. Entity or feeling, right. Yeah, the, the, the darker the energy, but and, and if it's white, of course, it, it may not be as bad. But, you know, that's something that is just, you know, we don't know what causes these things to appear to us. And that, that may just be how that spirit decides to appear or can Correct. any well, given Well, if someone time. sees something white, you know, like a form floating that's white, instantly they're like, I saw an angel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, well, and you, you can't always jump to those conclusions because uh, it, it just may not be true, you know. That something that's white isn't necessarily always good as something that, that's dark isn't always bad. I mean, it, it could be, as a matter of fact, it could be just the reverse. Um, so what, uh, what's your view, I was telling you before that, uh, my, one of my studies is shadow people. What do you think about them, interdimensional or, you know, just ghosts or do you have any thoughts on them you know i i don't you know i i look at them as as you know that it's definitely an area in the paranormal field that that is 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 it it could be anything you know i I, i'm not sure i do believe that there's different dimensions and i think that you know some people think that bigfoot's an interdimensional uh being that it can walk behind a tree and sometimes just disappear and and uh, I think he's just an alien bloodhound. <laughs> the UFOs drop him off, and that's all it yeah, is. There's theories that, that, that say that, that they're kind of, they work for these UFOs. I mean, I, I don't know if I necessarily believe that, but I do think there is some kind of a, uh, a connection between a lot of, because there are places where if there's UFO activity, there's also paranormal activity, and there's also... Sometimes Bigfoot sightings and and creatures like that. Have you have you ever read that that about that ranch out that the Skinwalker? Oh, Skinwalker, yeah, my, my gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness, that you know, some place like that. I have a feeling that there's a lot of places like that all over the world. Oh, I'm sure there is. And one thing is, is like you see an alien. How do we know that's not a ghost? And vice versa. How do we know a ghost isn't an alien? How do we know they're not all the same? Or, you know, what's what? It's not as if there's on this side of the room, aliens and UFOs, and on this side, ghosts. We don't know what, you know, they can all be interdimensional creatures in the same place. You know, we have no idea. I, uh, You know, you, that's absolutely true. I I don't know. I I, I don't know, the, but by golly, I'm trying to find out. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> so am I. Well, none of us know. I mean, and if you say you know, you're a liar. 
But it's 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 no doubt fascinating, and we're all just trying to fit in pieces of the puzzle. Um, I I don't know what what is all this stuff is, but uh, you know if you talk to Stan about it, he he doesn't want to he doesn't make that connection. Although it's interesting because Stan has seen some UFOs. Right, Stan's and, strictly a Bigfooter, Sasquatch yeah. or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, They're all the he, same it, to me. And he believes in it. He may be right that it's that it's just like a, more of just a forgot. He thinks it's part of the Gigantopithecus, uh, um, you know, that has just kind of gone unnoticed all these years, and and they they're elusive. Um, they, he says they're not rare; they're just elusive. But well, one theory is they bury their dead too. I think Stan. I don't remember if it was Stan or Farland Huff that was talking about that. One of the reasons we don't find the dead bodies, they bury their dead just like we do. Yeah, yeah. And he brought up a good point uh, the other night when I talked to him. He said, "You know, you don't often even hunters that go out and deer hunt. I used to do that with my dad as a teenager. But he says you don't often come upon deer carcasses." Or, you know, you don't often come upon just a carcass or a skeleton of any animal. Only by the side of the road. I mean, normally yeah. in the woods you don't. <laughs> but yeah, out on the side of the road, of course, especially in Illinois. We, we sure got our share of those. But, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I got to thinking, you know, you're right. You know, it, it don't, because there's so many um, little animals that feed on them and birds and birds of prey and crows and you know, there's so many things that just kind of pull them apart, drag them here and there, and, and, you know, I don't know what happens to all these bones. but well, They get scattered, too. Little creatures grab them and run one way with one and one with the other. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, you know, he, you know that's kind of an interesting point, too. And, and who's to say that, you know, they don't have a body of one of these things somewhere. They just aren't telling us about well, it. Well, yeah, that, the government not telling us is another entire show. I mean, that's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I always thought people that thought that way were crackpots. Absolute nuts. And now that I've met more people and I know more research and I've talked to scientists and physicists and all these people, they're not. <laughs> There's so much stuff that we're not being told. And it's like, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, and it it uh, it goes deep, you know, and it it goes deep, and and there there's things that they know that our government knows, and we'll never, you know, they'll never let on. Um, I think even even if uh, things were to happen just right in front of us, right right out on the open, they'd still try to deny it somehow. They would do the Star Wars thing. <laughs> You know, yeah. Never mind. This is not the one you want. <laughs> you yeah. Or they'll walk up the, like the like the men in black and with the little uh, the little lights on the end of the pins and. Just, oh, I uh, asked I asked Sam Maranto for that when I was in Mufon. <laughs> I, I wanted to know when I got my little mind erasing pen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess they don't give those out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, but, I definitely wanted one of those, but eh, they're not standard issue, I guess. Yeah, and I don't. I haven't seen them in any of the catalogs either. <laughs> I don't think they're just something that they uh, uh, that they you can buy. Um, I just saw an article about that. I don't remember where that there is some sort of uh, thing where they we can erase minds now. It was in one of the scientific journals, where, which is a creepy thought because your memories is what you are. I mean, you erase your memories. You've actually erased your personality. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, look at some of these abductions. I mean, there's something that the 
alien technology, you know, if you believe that, that they're able to erase at least temporarily, you know, uh, someone's mind. or Yeah, or completely. Explain. Sometimes 10, 20, 30 years later, all of a sudden something happens and people can remember. But but I would I would think that, you know, basically our brains almost work off of an, a type of electricity. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking that if... I, it doesn't surprise me that the scientists would know that putting some kind of an electrical charge... An EMP or, pulse. <laughs> yeah, or cutting off some kind of an electrical charge in our brain would do that. And, uh, my goodness. Boy, we're bringing up some scary stuff. Well, I always tell people when they ask me, I go, here's how I can put it the best. Remember X-Files? I go, that was a reality show. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you're involved a bit more of this. You know what I mean? A lot of stuff they talk about there is pretty much true. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, that's in Men in Black movies where they, where the guy goes and picks up all the all the all the rags like the Weekly World News and they stuff. And he says, "This is actually the real news. Uh huh. This is the stuff that's real." But uh, you know, they they try to make it sound like it's not. But. Well, something is too real, then all kinds of stories come out to discredit it positive yeah. and negative stories. I mean, there'll be other stories where they'll say there's more sightings that weren't there and stuff just to create a, a false buzz. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I mean, you you know um, from experience that you could take, we could go out and get the absolute best photo of a ghost. And you have. I mean, you you have the most amazing that one, ghost. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the, at Bachelors Grove, that, that amazing photo is still... Uh, that's probably the the most amazing photo that I've seen. That was just on WGN last week too, so a lot I, I more people that. know about it. I saw that. It was it's it's absolutely amazing, and uh, you you know, but you've probably already been accused of it being a fake, haven't you? Well, yeah, but it definitely isn't. I mean, there's no yeah. difference about oh, it. Oh, if I... you go to my website, I'm not I'm not saying you say that, but if you look on the website and you read the post that that's in. You can see the amount of research we went in trying to prove it. It was a fake ourself. You know, but nothing panned out, you know, and if you can't, right. you know, if you can't prove it's fake, obviously it's not. Yeah. Uh, no, I think, I think it's very real, and uh, I just think it's an amazing photo, and it was just a... Once in a lifetime, those, actually. Yes. Yeah, it's an amazing photo. And uh, I think it's, I, I like it a lot better than the, the famous one that's from there that the... Yeah, so do I actually. Of the girl sitting on the, uh, you know, the the stone, but uh, the uh, you can have the most amazing photo, and you know it's real, but you're always going to have people say, "No, that's fake. That can't be real. It's too good. It's too. Yeah. It's too." Well, that's what we get on that one because that picture is so good. Everyone says, "Well, it is good, so it's obviously a real person." And I'm yeah. like, no, I'm, I was standing 12 foot away looking right there when this was going on. I go, you would have saw a person. Plus, this person is dressed in, like, late 1800s clothes, and they're semi-translucent. You know, yes. <laughs> that's hard to recreate. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. No, I think, and she has a look on her face that's priceless. Oh, I know. To me, it's that, like, oh, I've been seen. That's what it reminds <laughs> me of. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it looks like. It's, it's like, oh, am I going to get in trouble when I go back home? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be punished by the ghost people. Oh, you know, another view of that, Carl, maybe she saw us and was like, oh, what is that? 
Well, yeah. I mean, it, it could be. See, that but, people don't look at it that way. Maybe, you know, the, it's an interdimensional thing, and she was shocked because she saw us. It, you know, it very well could be. It, 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 it could be that she was just doing whatever she was doing in her time, coming to visit a grave or, you know, walking through the woods, and then all of a sudden, there you are. Another intriguing thing about that is uh, where she was when we recreated it. There's a broken tombstone right there, and you'd you'd almost have to be on your knees to be at the same height she's in. And, and there's a thorn bush there, but you had to be on your knees. But in her time, that tombstone wasn't broken, so she was probably just standing there. Oh, wow, that is interesting. That That isn't... It did look like there was maybe some thickets or some... Yeah, it was thorn bush. Oh, my goodness. So trying to recreate that, somebody probably got some thorns in them. Yeah, Rachel, my friend. <laughs> we wanted it perfect, and what we did is we took the original picture out with us. And then we were able to line it up by little marks on the trees. So we got the exact distance, the exact height, and recreated it. And she was semi-kneeled on a, a broken tombstone, you know, to get the right height. That's a, that's amazing. That's po- a great photo. We and posted they- all that in the site, too, the recreation and everything, you know, just to prove the point, too. Yeah, that's 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 a it's a great photo, great photo. There's another I, web there's another website that's got posted out there that says I lied on WGN and that photo was actually a person and we know it and it's a fraud. <laughs> well, you know that unfortunately you'll get that, you know, it's it's uh well, some people are just jealous that you got a good photo. But, well, it makes but, me laugh too because if you actually have the photo and you you analyze it the way that I have, it's there's part of her's missing from the part of the waist down and it's semi-translucent people just don't do that no no it, it, it's not normal <laughs> it's, and it, it's, i say if hypothetically a lady was there on her knees looking at us okay we can go that far would you not notice somebody dressed in you know late 1800s clothes with a hair bonnet on oh yeah <laughs> oh, absolutely you know absolutely and you're you you know you're you're walking around out there and it was during the day, wasn't it? Yeah, and there was a few people out there. I'm not going to say we were alone. There was a few people out there, but still, I mean, I'm talking that picture only 12, 14 foot away when it was taken. Yeah, you you would definitely notice someone like that walking around because they would <laughs> they would look out of place. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> well, did you see that another member on our site? Uh, it was actually we I put it in the same show. I had WG and Eric too got a person in old clothes in the same kind of blue gown in a distance too did you notice that one on tv is that the one where it looks like she's kind of walking at the yeah point? if you look in she looks like an elf though it's, it really throws me off if you you zoom into that picture it looks like she has pointed ears on that one really yeah no. on, the, on the smaller one not the big one where it's turning away it reminds me of like an elf but it's the exact same color blue clothing well, that's interesting. And what was cool is that uh, her name was Lisa, I believe, that posted that. She posted that a few months after this one was posted, you know, that we had found there. But her EXIF data shows that she had taken it months before this one was taken. So oh. it was actually before that was taken. <laughs> well, that's that's interesting. No, I'll have to go back and look at that. Yeah, if you go to the link, actually, uh, that's so many people do. They click on, they look at it, and then they make stupid comments. But if you go through and read, and you see all the research it was done and all the different stuff, that's a different story. But you you know as well as I do, people don't want to do that. They want to go in and instantly make a snap <laughs> judgment. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, human nature, I guess, John. <laughs> oh, anything else you want to cover? We forget. I'm trying. I'm trying to cover things that are misconceptions. Like I say, uh, ghosts are only at night. They're only at midnight. Uh, they always wear black. <laughs> <laughs> Just Johnny Cash's ghost. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> how about uh, what do you? How about the witchy now or crap that was on that other TV show? You think that has anything to do with anything? You know, there are some people that I've talked to who believe that, and there are others that say, you know, they don't have anything more happen. You know, at and some people there's different times that kind of that they call the witching hour. Of course, some people say midnight, some people say one, some people say three a.m. Seems like there's a lot of paranormal stuff that does happen around 3 a.m. in the morning for some reason. Um, I've got some uh, friends that are uh, pagans, and they say that they think one of the most active times is, is well, there's two. They say at daybreak, when uh, the sun's just coming up, and at dusk. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say for some reason that the veil is thinner at these times. And they th- seem to think that some activity happens at those times. Those too. are actually the two times that we have the hardest time seeing. To our eyes are adjusting to the changing conditions. Right. Because you can go out at night, and after a bit, your eyes will adjust. And at daylight, you're adjusted. But right when it's getting dark, and right when it's getting light, there's that weird kind of—I don't know how you describe it—that you know that it's just kind of the twilight look thing. And it's actually harder to see things at that time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And uh, and then they've got the thing, of course, you, you know, the, the full moon and the yeah. and the new moon. Those seem to be two active times. Uh, well, and again, I think that from a scientific point of view is more to do with the actual moon and the tides and the fact that the human is made of, you know, we contain so much water. Scientifically, I think things like that happen rather than paranormal-wise. Right, right. And I have a tendency to agree with that. Um, but I've... I've I've had many people tell me that uh, they think that, you know, that you hear about all the activity on a, on a full moon. They say that crime rates go up and the ERs Correct. are busier during that time period. But I've, uh, paranormal-wise, I've heard that, that the new moon is actually, seems to bring out more paranormal activity, which is basically kind of no moon at all. Right. Uh, what they call the new moon is just kind of when it's almost completely... Uh, in the dark. I mean, who's to so, say there aren't any differences? I mean, paranormal activity happens 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but there might be other times where the veil is thinner or whatever, you know, reason happens. Right. There, there's more energy for it to, you know, I just don't actually don't know. But, you know, who's to say there could be other times? So I, yeah. I had somebody just ask me if uh, Halloween is going to be the best night to catch the EVPs. <laughs> I got that. I got asked that at least. Uh, half a dozen times on Halloween. Did you, I mean, do the ghosts dress up as humans and get candy or something? What's the deal? <laughs> I've had people come up and say, oh, I bet this is your favorite time of the year. I bet this is your favorite day, isn't it? And I go, well, I like to eat candy. <laughs> well, I actually do like I, I do like Halloween because I have the big Bachelor's Grove website and the whole paranormal thing. So to, Halloween is pretty cool. <laughs> well, para, paranormal investigators have a ball this time of the year because it's it seems to be the time of the year that everybody's more interested in this stuff. Yeah, otherwise they don't. I mean, like WGN contacted me to do that news article. Well, they wouldn't have contacted me in December. I mean, right. it, it's Halloween that does that. Right, right. Everybody's more attuned to the, all the scary movies and being a little bit scared and 
And uh, of course, it, you know, it's turning into fall, so it's getting darker sooner, and uh, different things play into it. But, but you know, it, it's no more of an active time of the year, you know, paranormal-wise for me than than any other time. We, you know, one of the things we have noticed, and I'm sure you have too, is sometimes we get more calls in the winter when the, when the weather starts changing like this. And I think it's simply because the when the weather's nice, everybody's outdoors. That could be. And then in the winter, they're coming back into their homes, and they're noticing when more activity, when more activity happens in their homes, they seem to seem to notice it more in the fall and winter because it's colder. Yeah, they're and just the, sitting in the house where in summertime they're, they're, they're out yeah. doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to say. I mean, there's so many different things out there. But I mean, my key, my pet peeves are, you know, the ghosts are only out at night, and all that right. stuff. Which I know you agree with me too. That's why I wanted to point that out for people listening. <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a hundred percent. You know, I I I get some. I've gotten some. Some of my best uh, evidence has been captured uh, in the mornings and in the afternoons. I mean it. It, it it does not it's not just at night Mine too. The only one I got at night was when I was at the Congress Hotel, and it just happened to be a nighttime. I don't think it had anything to do with it because the Congress, you know, it's indoors, and the lights were off, but just some dim lights, and that's when I got that shadow person. But I don't think that has you know crap to have to do with it being nighttime. Right, right. It's uh it's just people think that the, I you know it. You know, I always tell people that the reason that they turn off all the lights, like on Ghost Hunters and all these other programs, is because they want to show off their fancy toys, their fancy gadgets. The lights and the LEDs and all the oh, cool stuff. Yeah, <laughs> thermal, uh, the thermal cameras and all of the expensive uh, uh, gadgets that they have that sees in the dark and stuff. Um, and, of course, the, you know, they show you the view through the night vision camera, so everything's kind of a greenish. Well, that stuff is cool. Right. I mean, you got to admit, but I like oh, I like the what you call it the the not the spectrum the what is the one with all the cool colors? Is the thermal the thermal thermal, thermal? There you go. I forgot. I'd love one of those things, but my gosh, they're like three grand. Yeah, they start at like twenty five hundred dollars and go up. It's it's not some you know firemen's use those um, yeah. when they're when they're searching for. Uh, uh, people and stuff so i mean it it, it it's not yeah i mean it well, the, you know, the, i don't know if you know ron fabiani from uh chicago paranormal detectives I've, I've never met ron i think he's a friend of mine on facebook um, well you know what ron told me the best thing for those cameras are is to see who farted <laughs> <laughs> he says that's what they use them for <laughs> they probably point them at each other and says okay it's your turn uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> well the, I know I do know that one of the problems with those is they you can see the reflections of your body heat off of almost everything correct um, so even though you may be several feet away from it your heat is like the bouncing off of the walls and and uh, what is so it? Of, they have the wow factor because I mean I gotta admit it does look cool as can be whether it's effective or not you know who knows. I think the most interesting usage is not so much the paranormal the paranormal people that use the thermal camera, but the Bigfoot hunters. Uh huh. Because because I've seen some pretty impressive uh, images caught. You know, if you're out you know, on a cold night shooting into the woods, well, yeah, definitely. There, there should not be 
a big red yeah, and eight eight foot tall thing <laughs> walking around in the woods you know Hello. and uh, much more effective to me in situations like that than you know on a paranormal investigation i wish i had unlimited funds because i would buy all these things and i would do the best research projects and not for tv just for the knowledge just to do it yeah yeah well if you if you get rich and you buy a bunch of that stuff uh then give me a call and I'll come up and help you play with. Well, you know I've already got you know <laughs> those incredible surveillance cameras. So if you ever get a case where you need those, those are those infrared cameras that uh, are true infrared and don't need any IR admitters. Well, that's very cool. See, we need to get you down here, John. And, uh, <laughs> we need you to take you to some of these uh, Central Illinois uh, hot spots and uh, let you check them out for yourself because we we've got a few down here. If you got some good ones where we can actually leave some equipment safely, we could set those cameras up and leave them run for a week at a time. Oh, let's let's do it. Let's do it. Actually, I've, I, I, there's a couple cool places I think we could get into and uh, have some fun with those. I'll have to talk to you off the air, but we'll uh, we could definitely do that. I mean, my equipment's just sitting there. You know, what good is it? You know, just sitting in the closet. Absolutely. Of course, I've had a little bit having out here lately. You know about that. I, I had some yeah. strange yeah, you, little experience at night. <laughs> did you want to talk about that? Well, I'm not I'm sure. I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by it. It sounds like some a possible abduction or something. I mean, I, I in the middle of the night, I, I could wake up. To, well, I don't even know if I woke up. I don't know how you'd explain it, but my pillows and blankets are moving and I couldn't move, and I remember distinctively saying, what do you want? Leave me alone. Quit it. But nothing was coming out. And it was just a sheer feeling of terror, and then I had no concept of time, and the next thing I remember, I'm just laying in bed, but I'm terrified, and I put the blankets over my head, and that's all I remember. You know, that that would be terrifying. I mean, it, uh, you see you know, you know, see this on the, on the, on the movies, and you think... Uh, you know that, but you know when it actually—I would imagine if it actually happens to you, it could be scary stuff. You know, it's much it, more interesting when I have someone telling me about their encounter. Yeah, <laughs> than, than when it's actually happening to you. Well, that's you what's did too, because I mean, you know, I'm so serious about this kind of thing too, and it, you know, that's what caught me off guard. When you, uh, John, when you were having this experience, do you, you don't remember seeing any lights or seeing any kind of a figure or anything? It was just just total darkness but there was a light in the sky that evening like probably nine or ten o'clock doing some unusual things that night you know i I don't know if there's a correlation to it or not or if it was just one elaborate nightmare I, i i don't think it was a nightmare because you know you get to a certain age you kind of know what you do and don't do at night this was nothing like i've ever experienced in my life I would imagine that it's probably, uh, and that just happened recently, didn't it? It was just, uh, well, this week. Yeah. Have you been having, you've probably been having some trouble. (laughs) I've been been staying up till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning every night. Yeah. Wow. I think it happened, I think it was just Tuesday this week. And, uh, yeah, it, seemed like it was just a few days ago. Yeah, I, I literally have been, uh, last night again, it's the second night in a row. I stayed up till 3 in the morning. Wow. Well, you know, have you have you thought about setting up any cameras or anything? Have you 
Yeah, I'm actually going to set... My camera equipment isn't with me right now. I actually have to get my equipment. I'm actually up at my mother's house right now helping her out. She had had an accident, and my equipment's not up here. But I'm going to bring it up here and run my cameras in my room. Oh, yeah, I think that that may be a good idea. And talk, you know, talk to her and see if she's ever had anything like that happen. But see, she's the one that saw the light. She came down and told me about it. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Now, when you went up, it, and it wasn't a planet then, cause, or, or a star. Or well, a I, I thought it might have been until it started moving. You know, it would, like, shoot to the left or shoot to the right or up or down or make a 45-degree turn and then just stop and stay there again. And oh, that's when yeah. I kind of thought, like, well, most planets don't, <laughs> don't do, do that. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't, they don't do something like that. You know, I, there's so many things, so many possibilities. You know, you, you've you heard of the uh, sleep paralysis and the... right different things but then you know if your pillows and your sheets are moving exactly that's what roberta said uh our, our mutual friend there she goes well sleep paralysis is one thing but your blankets are moving i'm like exactly yeah and uh and then the and the the strangeness with you know just earlier that evening seeing that light yeah. you know you may be talking about a you know I don't and, think it was an abduction. I don't think. I think it was a possible attempt, though, maybe. It may have been an attempted. Uh, and if you uh, um, you didn't notice any kind of a time lapse or... No, unfortunately, I, didn't, I don't even have a clock in here, so I couldn't tell. But I distinctly remember yelling, you know, which is odd in a dream if you think about it. What are you doing? Leave me alone. You know, think about it. That's kind of an odd thing to just come up with in the middle of the night. <laughs> right. Right. But I, I, was, I was screaming at the top of my lungs, and all that was coming out was like, you know, kind of like that. Wow. It was well, it, it was an experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you hear about in the abduction cases where that happens, you know, they try to, even they say if you even try to thrash, you're just kind of stuck in one that's like, you know, that, that they, they do something to you. I don't know what, but... I don't re- I don't recall being able to move. I I mean I I just it, it's it's just kind of a weird blur. I actually wrote it on Facebook, which I normally never do, but I actually wanted to get it out there right when it was fresh in my mind too. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I <laughs> I, I you know I don't I kind of don't blame you in a way for staying up so late because I mean that's that's a terrifying thing to happen. Well, um, I'm a, such a logical person too. I mean, I can find an excuse for everything. That's what I do. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the person that finds the excuses to debunk you is having issues himself. That's a different story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you need to you need to get yourself a uh, one of those illuminated alarm clocks to keep in there. And, and well, <laughs> I've actually got one here, but where I'm at right now in my mother's house, she's in the rural part of Michigan, and their electricity goes off like every other week. Oh, why? And I got so tired of setting my alarm clock, I just <laughs> turned it off. I got fed up with it. Yeah, you need to get one of those with the battery backups with the 9-volt well, I'm battery. I'm going to now. Well, give me a little bit once I get back uh, into Illinois. <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm bringing all my cameras in here. I'm, I'll have 16 cameras in my room from every angle. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, you know, if it turns out that things continue to happen, get in touch with us. We'll come up there and do I will. Well, I'm going to put these in the backyard, too. I'm going to aim them outside. We'll go up there and do some investigating, try to figure out what's going on. 
We could have a part. We could do it live on the air too. I can stream it. Didn't um, didn't you say there was some other odd things that may be going on there? Yeah, without trying to sound insane. There's <laughs> strange I, noises and stuff. Yeah, and actually, I've been talking with some people that think it's Bigfoot activity, but I, I've been keeping it kind of myself because it just, even in what I do, okay. to me, it just seems so crazy. Well, we were just talking about that earlier. You know, there's a tie-in with that stuff somehow. I, I and it, does she live close to woods? Is there? Is there yeah, a... about fifty foot away from the woods, and there's a big uh, river too, and. From what oh. I understand, they they love being near the river in the woods. And the third key thing they need is deer, from what I say. And there's deer everywhere out here. Yeah, and fish in the stream and probably small game all over the place. Yeah, and following the stream, you can, like, go from one side of the state to the other. Well, not a stream. It's a St. Joseph River. It's a huge river. Oh, my. Yeah. Well, who knows, you know? it. Uh... It's a fascinating place for us paranormal investigators. I well, mean. actually, when I came here, I haven't talked about it in the air. I, when I first came here, my mom had hurt her leg, and I had to come up to help her. She couldn't walk, and uh, weird stuff started happening. I brought up uh, my grandmother's uh, grandmother clock. You know, that's a smaller one than a grandfather clock, and I uh -huh. set it up, and then it had stopped by itself, and I started it up again, and then all of a sudden... It, it reversed time. I was actually a clocksmith for four years, so I actually know clocks. It reversed time? Yeah, grandfather clock can't do that without internal damage. <laughs> you can go forward. I mean, you can literally take it and keep going forward. Yeah, and, you, and you'd have to go all the way around to get it back to the time. Right. Wow. But it actually reversed time by three hours. And uh, it was doing some weird stuff, and there was a few other little weird things happening here. Because my mom's like, "You brought your paranormal crap with you," and she was all <laughs> mad. <laughs> John and his paranormal baggage. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I you don't... know, my my wife tells me all the time, "You better not bring something home with you." <laughs> Say, she, honey, she... it's say it's well mannered. Most of it's pretty old. It's been around. It has good manners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I try not to, but you never know, you know. Well, you have no idea if it's something's going to come along with you or not. But, I mean, it is funny. i got to admit, there were some really odd things happening here once once I started getting here. And I wasn't going to talk about it either, actually. I just, I am now, but I, I try to avoid that because it's so hard to sound when, so logical when it's actually happening to you. Well, yeah, I mean, I... I, I just recently had a, an experience like that. You know, I ta I'm always talking about paranormal stuff, and I'm talking about UFO stuff. But I actually saw a UFO two days in a row out at Lincoln Land, the place where I work. And, yeah, I remember uh, you actually posted that on Facebook that you did, didn't you? Yeah, and, you know, to, to see one out there is amazing enough. And I actually had three witnesses to the first one I saw. And uh, I, I just went outside to stretch my legs and enjoy. It was a nice day. Um, it was like uh, two months ago. And uh, I just walked, stepped outside and was stretching and looked up in the sky and just saw this odd flashing thing coming at us in the sky. And it was relatively low. And it was kind of a nondescript shape. And it was just, it was heading to the east. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, there was a couple people that worked upstairs from me, and they were standing outside uh, having a cigarette. I said, hey, guys, come over here. And I pointed up there to it. I said, do you guys see that thing in the sky? Yeah, we see it. I said, what the hell is that thing? 
And they're like, boy, we don't know. I don't know what that is. And they were all, and we just stood and watched this thing until it disappeared. And uh, one of the girls had tried to take a picture of it with her, with her uh, phone camera. Which is so hard to do. So hard to do, and it nothing turned out. I mean, it it I, she, she wasn't able to zoom in on it, and you, you really can't. Yeah, you know, people need to do actually. On a side note, for our listeners, get yourself one of those. What are they? Nine ninety five. I don't know those disposable cameras. Carry one in you if you're a girl. <laughs> put it in your purse. No, I'm serious. Yes, put it in your you know, purse. Keep it in your car. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and you know who's depending on how high the thing is, you know, you may or may not get a good picture. Right, or it uh, may not even show up in film. Right, right, and uh, but I had witnesses on that. The very next day, I walk out and I look up in the sky and I see this cylinder-shaped craft, and this has been. Oh, recently so it was, it was a different type then. It wasn't the same one. Completely different. Completely different, and. Uh, this one just looked basically like an airplane without wings. Hmm. It, it looked like it was kind of a, a cylinder, and it was silverish color, and it was just traveling. It was it was also heading east, but that thing had been reported all over the place because, like, the very next day, um, the uh, the uh, MUFON guy over in Indiana, well, the head of the Indiana uh, uh, Indianapolis area. Mm-hmm. A call on the phone because I had posted it and people had saw it on there and he gave me a call and said hey we've seen that thing here we saw it you know several people have seen it over here so they were just trying to get the, my information on it to uh, actually in a side note isn't uh, Illinois Indiana and Michigan like on a real high alert for UFO activity uh, you know that it, it, it wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't surprise me because the, the activity's kind of been <laughs> kind of been off the charts uh well ufo wise i mean that down in missouri missouri's like a hotbed right now there's a lot of stuff going on down there and well, they've been pe- people have asked me you know how to see ufos because i got that video of the ufo on that my infrared camera yeah. all you got to do to see a ufo people is look up look up <laughs> <laughs> you'd be Absolutely. amazed they're everywhere they are they are and, and if you and, have the ability you get infrared that's what you want because in the IR field, that's the human vision. We can't see that. And in infrared, it's people are proving that they're in that field. Well, that those uh, th- those videos you you took with that camera that time that you showed me, those were pretty amazing. Those and that was a that was a unbelievable fluke. I was actually on the phone with somebody, and we were discussing that we had heard that Homeland Security was going to outlaw infrared cameras. And I'm like, well, let's see why. And that's a remote control camera. So I, from in the house, I adjusted it and shot it up in the air. And not even within two minutes, two UFOs dro- flew right by it. Yeah, and they kind of were in and out of clouds. Yeah, which was great because that gives you validation as far as your height. Yeah, that's that's just. Now, did you see them when you when you? No, I actually I was in the house. So, I mean, this is a completely remote control system. Oh, you just kind of pointed, oh. Yeah, it's a fully automatic system. I have a joystick in the house, and I can do zoom, pan, tilt, rotate 360 degrees. That's neat. That's why I say it's extremely high-end. I, I install and build pair, or a, uh, surveillance systems, and I had some of the best equipment money could buy because some of my customers were really high-end, so that I had to have the top of the line to show them how it worked. Yeah. So luckily, I've got like I mean that the lens on that camera alone is over four thousand bucks. Wow. Wow. 
Well, that's that's very cool. Those things uh, they were kind of circular, weren't they? Like a like a. Globe. Yeah, they were circular. But when I I used the enhancement software, actually they were more of a. I think I was telling you the other day, more of like almost like a elongated triangle, but still rounded edges. I mean, if you could follow that. The, the nose was a tad thinner than the back, something like that. And they were extremely metallic. You could see light reflecting off of them, or else they were uh, translucent. I couldn't quite tell. Yeah, that's fascinating. Well, what's cool about that is that was that's on professional uh, watermarked video, which you can't tamper with. Right, right. Man, but these, so are the, these are the ones I caught. It's the same camera I caught that apparition going through the wall at Waverly Hills with, too. I want to see that. You have to show me that. Well, that's story. the one we'll bring down. If you you find somewhere to put it, I'm serious. Where well, we know we're safe because these are expensive, we can set these things up for a week or two and just let them run. And you can view them remotely if we get internet access there. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna work on that. I'm gonna see if we can get a place where we can just kind of lock it up and just let those let them let them go. Because yeah, you never know. I've actually locked locked them in haunted homes before. Uh, supposedly haunted homes, put it that way, for a week at a time uh, in high anticipation of something. <laughs> and, and I've done it to two different places, and I don't want to say where because I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but uh, neither one of them showed any signs of anything with cameras running 24-7 for a week. Boy, talking about having to review a lot of evidence, that, that would have oh been... Oh my gosh. Do you know I still haven't gone through all my evidence from Waverly? <laughs> From Waverly, yeah. Waverly was three years ago, and I still haven't gone through it all. Just so much. There's so, you know, they they really shorten it up when you watch Ghost Hunters or a program like oh, that. Yeah, you can spend two days just <laughs> looking at your video. Oh my goodness! If you're just in one one place and you do a four or five hour investigation in one location, but you have like uh, four cameras and you have the you know three uh, three EVP recorders and. Uh -huh. uh, you know, or audio recorders. And people realize it's all... It's and not you only... have to watch every single one of those. And, and in real time, too. In real time, and you have to sit and listen to that. And that's one of the things that, that uh, a lot of paranormal investigators, you know, they love to do the hunt, but they don't want to review the evidence. And you, well, you've Photographic got, you've got... evidence, too. People don't realize that. You, you take pictures. <laughs> you don't just look at that picture and say, oh, I got nothing. you got to zoom into that picture four five six hundred percent yeah and, that, and then literally scan left to right drop down left to right drop, yeah for each picture yes yes because you can find some amazing things in in the, the first glance you don't always see it matter of fact look for if i get my motivation back i was going through some bachelor's grove pictures i took an infrared from two and a half years ago and uh i take pictures in pairs that's something we should cover too i don't know I take everything click-click in pairs, so there's yeah. always something to compare to. That's a good note for you people listening. Take your pictures in pairs. Well, I got a pair, and I'm scanning through, and because I was playing them like in a row, almost like a slideshow, something caught my eye. I went back. I've got a shadow person or a shadow, a black person standing up. Two seconds later, they're bending over, picking something up. Oh, and I, yeah. I just found that. I haven't even posted it anywhere yet. I just found it the other day going through some pictures from three and a half years ago. And that's, that's yeah. 
Yeah. And that's an infrared because infrared's my thing. I mean, I, I'm like I'm hugely infrared. I have an infrared still camera. I have infrared video cameras because that's a that's the human eye cannot see an infrared. So my gosh, well, anything could be an infrared because we can't see it. Yeah. Yeah. And in and, and anybody with any knowledge above ours, like some of these uh, craft may have, and they know that. Right. You know, they they. So, you know, some people think they have cloaking-type uh, skills that they could... Uh... Well, did you see, I think it was Jose Escamilla that actually had two cameras side-by-side. Side. I'm pretty sure it was here, and I could be wrong. I'm, I'm sure listeners will correct me if I'm wrong. There's two cameras, and one's an IR camera, and one's a standard camera, side-by-side side looking up, and a UFO flies by, and it's only visible in the infrared camera. Yeah, boy, you know, that that's kind of verification in it that it it's like they're operating just outside our ability to see them well they abduct us so they know what we can see so they just make <laughs> their cloaking device or whatever they want you know so they know it's not in the human vision right right and you know they are able to cloak themselves too probably and you know i i think that uh, uh, the, uh like the bigfoot uh you know i call them creatures but whatever you want to call them uh, right they, they, I think they can see a bit in like animals. Other animals they know can see in the infrared range, like cats and dogs, and and I think they can. You know, I think that's why you don't often see these. Yeah, games. they can see us, or else they have enhanced vision. You know, where they can see. Well, like <laughs> Predator. I mean, who knows? You know, like the movie Predator. Look at the way that thing could see. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they they, you know, you you set up a game cam out in the woods, and this. It's throwing out this... Uh, they, the infrared light, which is the biggest joke in the world. Yeah, yeah. and uh, of course, I think they can see it. And so do I. They're not going to walk out into that, you know? That's why I use the cameras I have. They actually don't... It takes one star in the sky. I mean, that's all the, it takes. Because it, if it's black, black, you don't get a misconception. If I'm in a pure black room with no light, my cameras won't work. It's got to have, you know a minute amount of light coming in from somewhere, you know, but it could be as little as one or two stars in the sky is all it takes. Yeah, yeah. There always has to be some kind of light. But IR emitters, I'm a, I don't like IR emitters because if a bug flies in front of an IR emitter, it can really screw with you because it, you know, it, it gives a weird perspective because it's glowing bright white and, you know, it messes with people. Uh, what do you think about those rods that people see? Do you think that that could be... Because they're, they're a lot of times caught on game cameras. I have hundreds of videos of those things caught on that same camera that caught the UFO. And what do you uh, think Think those are? I, I've actually talked to Jose about this. Uh, I know they are something. I mean, without sounding stupid. I mean, it's not a, it's not a bug. I mean, my camera records at 480 frames per second. And if you're familiar with photography, you realize, you know, we don't have bugs that can do light speed. But what I, th it, it could possibly be another life form. And I'm not talking outer space. It could be, you know, just a normal life form on this planet that we've never known about because it travels so fast. And it's only apparently an infrared. Or it could be anything. You know, I don't know what to say. But, I mean, I, I'm not jumping on that it's it's aliens or spaceships. I'm just saying that it definitely is a real thing it's just i don't have any idea what it is yeah if that, if that makes sense you know what i mean no no it you know it does make sense because we can't you know we don't know what these things are i mean but they 
they've been tagged with a name. You know, people call them rods, but right, very very strange, long, and it looks almost like they have. Uh, it looks like little wings that are circular. That they, the best I can tell from some of my videos, my free shots, is they're long cylinders, and they have like a wing type. I don't know how you describe it. On both sides, that run the length of the body. Yeah. And yeah. and they they fly like fish would swim kind of you know that, but I mean I've got this. I'll have to send you some videos. I mean I've got I actually got so tired of looking at rod videos I quit saving them. I have hundreds of them, <laughs> all caught on that that so, Bosch high end camera. So these obviously aren't a rare thing. They're no, just, not at all. I mean the just, only thing I can say is if you if you want to do research, you know you the listener, and you know if you have a little bit of funding, get. I, infrared equipment. I can't stress it enough. There is stuff in the infrared field that you would not believe. And, and you know, like you said, these things could just somehow exist just outside of our sight, just just beyond what we can see. It, I mean, I'll send you some pictures of that. Uh, remind me, maybe drop me a note. I get, you know, we'll hang up with this phone call and my mind gets erased. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I would like to see some of those. Yeah, I've got. I actually sent some to Jose. He's going to use them in his next movie, possibly, because him and I were talking about it off air too. There's self illuminating ones too. Have you heard of that? No. Uh. Uh-uh. See, I've got ones that glow. You know, like you see some of the video. Someone just posted one on your site. You know, off game cam or something. Yeah, that's like off of a game camera. See, you know? I've got some like that glowing, but you got to remember, my cameras aren't sending any light out. Right. So for something to glow on a camera like that means it physically is glowing. Yeah. No, so, I want to see those. I want to. I want to take a look at some of those. Cause I've actually I, got my surveillance system set up here at my mother's house right now. Actually, I'm reviewing stuff because I have free time. I still, like I say, I haven't gone through all of Waverly yet. This thing will record for like eight months nonstop. Wow. And 16 channels for eight months and 480 frames per second. <laughs> Wow, now that's some review time there. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never do it in my lifetime. (laughs) You're going to have to get lots of volunteers to help you do that stuff. Well, yeah, if anybody listening out there, I'm dead serious. (laughs) If you want to help go through pictures from Bachelors Grove, Waverly Hills, Villisca, I have pictures and videos, thousands of them. If you want to volunteer your time, I'll send you material and you can go through and I'm dead serious. Any listener out there that wants to help me with this stuff, I'm just bat- backlogged yuck. You wouldn't believe. Sounds like a good opportunity out there, folks. All right. Thank you very much. Carl Jones, everybody, from Prairie Land Paranormal in Springfield, Illinois. We'll be right back. You're listening to Threshold Radio. Thejohnair.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present 
Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts, Sam Maranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Kopp, Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights, 10 to 11 on theedgeonair.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit ufo-info.com. Welcome back to Thresholds Radio. On the phone with us is my good friend, Susan Taylor, with an all-new segment of Outside the Box. How are you doing, Susanna? Well, I'm just doing fine. Happy to be uh, doing this segment with you. Uh, it's been a long-standing, um, what, what shall I say, desire that I've had to have some forum for dealing with things other than crop circles that are outside the box. And crop circles obviously are uh, a major example of something we can't explain but is true, uh, is happening. But I've always, the reason I was attracted to the crop circles is because I've been attracted to all the kinds of things that will shatter our constricted little sense of reality here, right. uh, scientific materialism all the ways in which this world isn't working and we know we need different ideals or principles or a new story uh, of humanity and who we are, what we're doing here. And things that don't fit into ordinary reality are wonderful prods to get us to deal with these fundamentals. Um, Otherwise, we're kind of fingers in the dike operating in a belief system Um, that money is the most important thing, so whoever has the most wins, and that's a sure way for uh, a society not to work. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer, and everything falls apart. Eventually you have revolutions and circumstances like that. It sounds like uh, what's going on right now throughout most of the world. Well, doesn't it though? Doesn't it though? And isn't this the most wonderful thing? Occupy Wall Street in a hundred and some odd other cities and it's exactly what's happening now. In fact, the most recent post that I wrote on my blog um, where I am um, talking about these kinds of things, our belief systems, um, I was talking about, are you familiar, John, with the Hegelian dialectic of thesis, antithesis, and synthesis? No, is not, this, not at is, all. Does this roll off your tongue? No, it rolls right off the top of my head. Right. Well, somewhere in the course of my education, I learned this. And you know these little things that kind of become the guideposts that you just always um, reference. And that's one of the things that's been a guidepost of mine. Uh, who knows? When was Hegel around? I don't know. He's the Marxian era, pre-Marx. Uh, and so what he described was a uh, process that is replicated over and over again. It's in a way you could say it's how change happens. So there you are at any given time in our sense of a worldview, what we believe about the nature of reality. So we got one. Okay, let's say we got one. We like it. Everything's calm. It's Ozzy and Harriet. We're happy. The world is peaceful. It's wonderful. Whatever. It's never all wonderful, but basically. Okay. You can only wish. So, so then what happens is things start not working. This is a pattern, you know, so we could look at it here in our world. 
uh, war is beyond, you know, conception. Ten years we're making wars. Uh, the the economy is falling apart. Uh, I, global warming. You, you know, more and more things are just not working. So that's the antithesis to the thesis. Things that just don't fit into the thesis being at the stability of the world. So eventually it gets too jangly. There's too much uh, difference between the way things are and the way we supposedly are running our world. And you have some kind of upheaval, uh, some kind of reordering. And that's synthesis. That's a new, you know, design that comes out of the things that don't fit being incorporated into a new worldview. Let's say our new worldview now might be um, we're all compassionate toward each other. We, we, we're making a world where there's no extreme poverty, where we, we are very, very um, socially conscious of uh, the brotherhood of, of humans. And that would be from the thesis that we had, the antithesis of all the stuff that isn't working, and the new synthesis would be this new world order, oh, except that's a loaded yeah, word. Don't, don't use that word. <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh, this new ordering of the world, uh-oh, uh, in a way that's harmonious again, and everybody's happy, and it's very sweet. It would be amazing. Peaceful. I think all of mankind has to do that. That's part, a lot of people say that uh, the alien races want to make contact with us, but they're waiting for us to become civilized and actually love each other and quit trying to kill each other all the time. Well, that makes perfect sense to me, actually. Uh, at some one of the things that I talk about when I, you know, I'm the crop circle lady. Uh, we better crop tell circle people, queen. <laughs> the crop circle queen. Right? <laughs> okay. So let's tell people right out when you want to just investigate that, you go to cropcirclemovie.com where you'll see the trailer for my movie, which is called What on Earth, and um, my documentary about crop circles, and um, you'll get plugged into my little crop circle world. But particularly, you get to see the the trailer. That uh, link is also on our Thresholds radio page, too, under our guest bios for anyone that wants to look there, too. Yeah, you you very nicely got me featured there. I appreciate that a lot. No problem. Uh, uh, but that's why I am, you know, some of it, we get our missions in life. E each of us has, what what is your little life supposed to be all about? Who knows, you know, that's a whole exploration of where did this mission come from? What was my childhood all about? Whatever. But I just have this thing. I've got to do something about the nature of the world, about the, the fundamental belief system. I'm one of the little um, white knights out there, you know, trying to deal with um, breaking up this conge congestion that's going on, constriction that's going on. Uh, so the crop circles uh, became a very, very powerful kind of contradiction that I uh, just delved into more so than many other things that I was me messing around with or producing programs about or projects about, all of which had to do with making it a better world. Mm -hmm. But then the crop circles kind of consumed me because it was such a powerful possibility, you know, if we actually ascertained that uh, the, if the public understood that we are not making them, not that there's a real phenomenon, uh, despite all the hoaxing that goes on, 
we would it would just be the most uh, explosive development in the human history actually we would be discovering for sure that there is other intelligent life it wouldn't be science fiction anymore we'd actually know that we're not alone and boy you'd have to I mean, we could go on and on about how that would it, it, get incorporated in our thinking. It would not go away. It would be a powerful spur to uh, thinking about ourselves as one humanity in relation to an otherness. And that is what we need to get to. But my interest in uh, the crop circles uh, was inside my interest in this whole uh changing the the fundamentals and that outside the box ideas could do that uh so now you've given me this uh segment that i'll be on repeatedly where we're going to deal with uh one way or another of addressing this whole outside the box ideas thing so now that's that was a long introduction to, <laughs> to what i'm actually talking about today which is the last um the last thing that we did, the last couple of things that we did, were very specific examples of things that actually happened that don't fit ordinary reality. Uh, part of that body of antithesis to the thesis. But in the, the, these were individual instances of impossible things that, were, that actually happened. Well, what I wanted to do today was to lay in another kind of category of the kind of things we will talk about that don't have specific examples, but are actually uh, possibilities for what we all could do, how we could change um, things, activities that we're all involved in, um, how we could initiate activities that we all would be involved in that would actually be spurs to creating this kind of change. And I have, I parked on my website, which is it's not my blog website, which is theconversation.org, pretty easy to remember. Yes. Um, on column left, if you scroll down there, you'll see a heading, Outside the Box Ideas. And that's been parked there for a while. You know, you kind of open uh, a category and you kind of uh, keep your mind on it and things come in that... Uh, relate to it. Well, I, I have had this category for a while, and now one of the things that came in is you yes. inviting me to do this segment called Outside the Box Ideas. Well, Rosie O'Donnell turned you down, so, you know, I, I had to help you out. <laughs> what did you do? I said Rosie O'Donnell actually didn't let you do the segment on her show, so I had to help you out. Oh, well, indeed, you know, for your listeners, I was on Rosie's radio show, Sirius, and the reason I was on it is she found my movie, and she said, what? I really like this. Everybody should see this movie. So she had me on the show. And she said when this was radio right before she started her talk show on OWN, which has been on for a couple of weeks now. Or, uh, and she, um, I had mentioned to her in the course of the initial exchange how maybe I could be her paranormal reporter and I could come on regularly with these outside-the-box ideas. Well, she hasn't hired me so far. In <laughs> fact, I, she said I would do, she'd be doing a segment on her uh, talk show, on her own uh, Oprah's Network talk show. So I'm, I'm waiting for, you know, <laughs> the first step, which is to do my segment. But in the meantime, John to the rescue, you know. <laughs> and uh, 
So here I am with this platform for outside-the-box ideas. So I would just suggest that your listeners could actually go on and read uh, the, you know, kind of, hopefully I've, I've made a good case for what I'm talking about and what I've written there, just a little introduction. And um, what I'm essentially saying there is that, you know, I could just picture us sometime in the future uh, with, oh, I, hate to, I hate to energize this, but you know, a terrible thing could happen, nuclear, you know, bombs go off, half the world is destroyed, whatever. Yeah. And then we look back and we say, the rest of us who, who are still here, <laughs> yeah, who are look died. back and say, Pardon me? I said the ones of us who haven't died. Yeah, right. Uh, so we look back and we go, why didn't we try things? Why did we let things just go the way they were with these little petty arguments about who are we going to elect and whatever petty arguments? But we're not, we weren't dealing with what really doesn't make, makes the world not work. Uh, the, the, our, our belief system about, you know, whoever has the most toys wins. Uh, is is not a sustainable belief system. It will destroy the world. Why aren't we talking about that? So, so I introduce it by saying, you know, we might in the future look back and be very sorry we didn't deal with things like this. And then um, I go on to give some examples of some of the kinds of things we might collectively do. And of course, the first one is the world should investigate the crop circle phenomenon. Needless to say, oh, you know what I think I was doing before when I couldn't remember? I was sending people to my website for the crop circle. Did I do that? Did I say cropcirclemovie.com? Maybe I did that. I okay, think now you, I you can say it again, though. It doesn't matter. Okay, okay, okay. I, I can't remember where I sort of lost my train of thought. We have a very <laughs> loose format here. We can do anything yeah, we right. want. <laughs> uh, well, I like that. I like the friendly way to do things here. So anyway, so back to my outside-the-box ideas. Um, so the first thing is, you know, get into the crop circle phenomenon. That could change things big time. But, but now I've just mentioned uh, whoever has the most toys wins is kind of the concept, by, colloquially, by which we run the world. And uh, so here's number two idea. Promote a change of paradigm where getting the most money as the primary goal would be replaced by doing the most good. Make a brilliant ad campaign. Whoever does the most good wins. You know, we can do these things. You know, harness the power of our um, media to really get behind some kind of earth-changing idea uh, or an idea that would change the earth, that would change the fundamental way we are running the world. So the whole um, kind of little list of things uh, on theconversation.org, column left, um, of outside-the-box ideas, are other ideas like that. And I thought that, you know, on future segments, you and I could get into chatting about uh, <coughs> how things might work. This one is just, this little segment is just a setup to indicate where we're going with things and just get people's minds on that sort of thing. And maybe they can even... Um, write in some thoughts you know I've invited that on the conversation.org uh, give me your and in fact I invite that on that column so if that you get on to um, uh, the conversation.org it says email us your thoughts so I'd love to collect thoughts about you know radical ideas for radically changing the world um, and then I just thought I would also mention just for our little time today that I'm actually having an event today at my house where I'm going to try to um, uh, launch a in 
uh, a live version of a group of people who actually are thinking those kind of thoughts. I'm calling it the Club of One Heart. You'll see on theconversation.org, it is the top post. It says an invite to the Club of One Heart. And I say in there that if you're not from L.A., where you could end up in my living room, um, that you um, should email me. And who knows, you know, we could start chapters all over. <laughs> uh, if I collect people from elsewhere, I, I think, look at Occupy Wall Street. What a hunger there is to come together and make noise. So this would be um, an ongoing come together and make noise in my living room. I've done things like this before, uh, before I got so involved in the crop circles and making movies about them, which is rather consuming. I used to have a lot of events at my house. I had things with newsletters and membership things and all sorts of different uh, configurations of people coming together to think together. Um, so I'll read you a little bit that I put out here. Um, Blah, 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 blah. Okay. If you are fans of my movie, this is for you. Uh, you need to be willing to be on a team to spread the word about what on earth. Now, that's kind of going to be our first. Um, that You know, you need something to address to start things, not abstracts. It's good to have a concrete. So what we'll do is um, we'll put together kind of an action plan what can you, here we have this wonderful internet. I mean, look at this, you know, communication vehicle. And what could we do on the internet to energize the uh, crop circle situation and particularly my movie, obviously. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, and, but that would give us a template for other things that we might decide are really, uh, good things that this collective viral energy that you can uh, stimulate on the internet might actually be able to accomplish. Like some of these outside the box ideas, I told everybody who's coming to uh, have a look at, at the uh, suggestions that I made, you know, what might we want to sink our teeth into and then how can we use the internet to do that? So this is a little experimental group actually, so it says, um, you need to be willing to spread the word and to rabble-rouse for other things that could wake the world up to a bigger reality than the one in which we are so violent with one another and abusive to the planet. So, uh, the only requirement is you have to be savvy about the internet. Well, there you go. <laughs> you know, this is, our, this is our playing ground to really make noise. So, I'm very, um, you know, uh, jazzed up about both this live venture that I'm, you know, going to try to uh, launch and this venture we already have launched. All right. Well, thank you very much, Susan Taylor, Outside the Box. We'll be right back. You're listening to Threshold Radio. Death 
TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Cop Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit UFO-info. Welcome back to Thresholds and Other Realms, and with us we have the one and only Michael Clean. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Well, no problem. Now that you and I are famous TV stars, oh yeah, <laughs> we got our what three and a half minutes of fame. So yeah, well, hey, maybe that uh, three minutes of fame will translate into twenty or thirty minutes of fame. Fame. I'm actually happy with that. I thought the whole thing came out kind of nice considering they, what was it, four four hours, four and a half hours that they, our video shoot was for three and a half minutes of TV time. Yeah, it was, um, it definitely wasn't your typical news report. Oh, I believe it was kind of well done, Artie, actually. Oh, Ar- yeah. Artie, not as in a person's name, but Artie is an artistic. I, I like the scenes where they had the footage of the, the leaves coming down. And well, in high high def, it was like really. That clear. was so cool. And actually, that was one of the promos. Remember, I told you they had promos throughout the news before it aired. One of the promos was the graveyard with those little leaves falling, and they said something like, "You know, Bachelor's Grove, the most haunted place coming up." I'm like, <laughs> well, Man, now if promos. You, if, <laughs> if you thought people went there before, now there's going to be like hordes of people all descending on there in the next couple of days. I know it's going to be busy, but luckily Bachelor's Grove's got a gatekeeper. So. They're, get, they're going to have to do. Uh, they're going to do Occupy Bachelor's Grove, and the police are going to have to come in. They actually get pretty strict this time of year for anybody. Yeah. Uh, but technically, it's a forest preserve. You're allowed to go there, but there's a squad car there parked during the day now. Right. I always wondered if there was some back entrance. That, you know, somewhere else you could park and there, walk through the woods. There's multiple places you can get into it, actually, but I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about that. I'm not going to tell people how to illegally enter. So, well, this what... has been an exhausting month. And I'm really, I'm happy with the way that the month turned out, but I'm also exhausted. And yeah. I can't wait for a vacation. <laughs> All this fame has got to you. All these book signings running here and there and all your radio show and TV appearances. Yeah, it, it actually... Uh, my website, the thetrueillinoishaunts.com, got more site visits this month than in the entire year of 2009. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so things are improving. Uh, uh, but if, if that can translate into money somehow, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, it would be. You got anything paranormal or creepy you got to talk about? Or is it just all the Hollywood stuff lately, our TV shows? And next thing's uh, movies for us, right? We got some big major movie coming up? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I am I might be in some more of uh, Willie Atkins projects. He He's always, uh, like, when he made that movie, Headline News, about, based on my short story, uh-huh. I got to play a walk-on role as a police photographer. So oh, maybe cool. stick in a, in the next one. How are all your book sales going with you and uh, uh, Amelia and uh, Larry? How how's everybody's book sales going? Well, they're going pretty good. Um, I expected sales to spike a little bit more because of October. Uh huh. But I think the economy is keeping a lot of people away 
from uh, from buying you know things now, but it's it's going pretty good. Uh, I just heard back from Barnes and Noble about Larry Wilson's book Chasing Shadows, and they're actually going to order a bunch of copies. Well, so that's that, great. Yeah, hopefully that'll you know I'm sure they'll just stock it in some stores around the Midwest, and then if it sells, you know they'll put it in all the stores. So that that'll be great. They didn't even order a bunch of years, did they? They did. Well, they said that they were going to order 15 copies of my book, Home of the Brave. Oh, there you go. There's and, a lot. Uh, but they never did. I don't think they ever ordered them. And that's what, like, what were you saying before? You make, like, 50 cents on a book or something? Um, that so. one, well, that's different. Home of the Brave I published on my publishing company. Oh, okay. So, you know, Barnes & Noble is less likely to work with independent publishers. Okay. But so they, you know, they probably wanted to order a couple of copies to try it out in a store to see if it would sell. But my other book, uh, Haunting Illinois, is is in all the Barnes and Nobles in Illinois. I was going to say for all those budding uh, people out there that want to write books, uh, Mike's word of advice is forget it. You don't make any money. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's not necessarily true. If you want to write a book, I mean, a lot of times people have this idea that they just write the book, send it to the publisher, and they sit back and they do do nothing. If you're going to write a book and have it published on an independent label, you know, anything other than the big names, um, you're going to have to do a lot of work. You know, you're going to have to sell your own book, do all your own appearances. Like when I went on that book tour a couple weeks ago, I scheduled all those events. You know, that was right. uh, that was put together by me. I contact all the radio shows, all the news outlets. I mean, I try to do as much as I can for my authors that I publish. But being only one man, there's only, there's only so much I can do. Right. So if you want to make money selling your book, you know, you've got to go out there and, and push it. Like, uh, like the authors of that history, Mystery and Hauntings of Southern Illinois, they've... Uh, they've sold like hundreds of copies of their own book. I mean, they are really, they really get out there uh, to book fairs, to any event they could find in Southern Illinois, and that's what you got to do. If if you're not willing to do that, then forget about it. I mean, yeah, you're you not going to sell yourself. Money. Basically, you got to put a lot of time into it. Oh yeah. Or, or they can have someone like you publish it, and then you put all the time into it. Because that's what you do as a small publisher. So you, you know, if people want to do that, make their book and just contact Mike and he'll publish it for you. Yeah, but uh but even if I did, I mean you'd still have to to do all that work. That's what I'm saying. I mean Right, all the book signings and all kinds of stuff. This would be a lot easier for me if I had a secretary or something because then I could just give them a list of people to call and say, you know, send these press releases here, you know, <laughs> these stores. But you but, pretend like you do when you talk to your clients though, right? You're like, I'll, I'll have my people right on that. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm totally forthcoming with people. I mean, uh -huh. if they, you know, if they want to work with me, I, I tell them these are the limitations. But a lot of people, they just want to see their book published, so yeah. they're willing to go out there and do it. So you're on the phone with them. Just a second. I'll get my secretary, and they hear you. <laughs> Grandma, come in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really should get an intern, you know, like so I don't have to pay them. <laughs> but yeah. then they say they yeah, interns are great for that. <laughs> and they get credit for it, which is an amazing thing too. It's a win-win situation. Right. 
I didn't know they got credit for that. I've never been an intern. No, interns, because I know that from radio. If we get radio interns to do stuff for us, they actually get uh, college credit for doing that. Oh, well, that's a good good deal. That's what I mean. It's a win-win. You know, we get free help, they get credit. Huh. Looks out good. So anything else going on? No, that's pretty much it. Uh, I'm just looking forward to November so I can relax and work on some other projects. Yeah, you got Well, you get to relax clear to next Halloween. That's, yeah. our, that's our busy time of year and our next interview next Halloween. Yeah, well, in future uh, editions of Thresholds and Other Realms, of course, now I'll start churning out the top ten lists again. Oh, yeah, we haven't had have one some in a good while. Ones for you. Well, I've been running out of topics. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, you can only do so many. I've been thinking about them. I I think about them very carefully because I want to do good lists. So we'll look for that in the future. All right. Thank you very much, Michael Clean, everybody. We'll be right back. You're listening to Threshold Radio. TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Cop Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit UFO-info. All right, thank you for listening to the show tonight. I'm going to leave you with uh, actually one of the songs off of my band's demo. Uh, My band's called Evil Jin. That's E-V-I-L-J-I-N-N, not D-J-I-N-N. And um, yeah, tell me what you guys think. I hope you like it. It's a little bit on the heavier side, but um, hey, that's uh, that's what we're doing. We're doing a little bit of a, a metal project, so... Those of you that are into it, listen to it, check it out, let me know what you think. And you can check us out on Facebook or our Reverb Nation page if you want to download the entire demo. Uh, The song is called Insects. It's our single. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Other than that, we'll be back next Friday from 10 to 11 on theedgeonair.com. Sunday nights, 730, ufo-info.com, or check us out on the UFO Paranormal Radio Network.